Appreciate everybody listening so far. I'm sure you've seen uh, last week I posted that picture that this podcast has been heard in over 30 states, man, in the United States, in fucking about 27 countries. I understand that could be some sort of VPNs on some people's shit, but just for it to make it out of Detroit is impressive enough for me. I'm happy about that. I'm glad people like it. I'm glad people listen. Um, I know they're listening for the people I'm having on. If I didn't have those people on, this wouldn't be shit. I'm telling you. But I appreciate everybody who has reached out and supported it and shared anything. That means a lot. Because, like I said, I didn't think it was going to make it out of, you know, Detroit for the most part, let alone, you know, another part of the globe. That's pretty crazy to me. I appreciate everybody. Can't stop saying that enough, but it needs to be said because I think some of these stories need to be heard by some of these people, whether they're you know, whether they're a big band or a small band. I think they're interesting and they have had something to contribute to hardcore, and they have you know either been around a long time or maybe they're just coming up, but they all got a different perspective on why we're in the same room and we have different values but we're you know still in the same room and we're even treated you know as a as a place where fucking outcasts unite whether you get along or not we're all there for the same shit but anyway enough about that this episode i have my man joe hyde on it he has had two pretty pretty prominent bands uh, Detroit and surrounding area. Uh, one band, uh, my personal favorite out of the two is The Alliance. Just fucking good old Detroit hardcore. Good lyrics. Fucking hard shit. And it really describes the city well. The way he uh, writes the songs for that band. It, it's you know it's almost like a hip hop vibe to it. Lots of rhymes fuck in your face type shit and Hyde is the other band is uh which was before the alliance that's a fucking sick band too nasty mean shit and i only got to see them one time they were uh, the alliance was already formed by the time i started going to shows but i want to post a link for f- both of them in the description of the podcast so you can check them both out i believe they're both on bandcamp but i'll post a link anyway if you want to check them out, maybe there'll be another reunion for either one of those bands one day. But uh, shit, he's onto his new project now. It's a hip hop project, really good shit called the Suicide Kings. Uh, him and his boy Cole from uh, I don't know somewhere in fucking Canada. I forgot what he said. My bad. But uh, he's his uh, his uh, producer man. They they do some fucking wild shit. Real real good underground street shit and. Uh, 
the new album is called Ceremonia. He has a bunch of shit, man. Lots of videos. He's done other work with the Detroit artists and, you know, people from fucking New York and everywhere else around. Uh, but anyway, check out his new shit. Share it. Spread it. Ceremonia. Suicide Kings. Hip hop. And we get into his uh, Muay Thai training. You might not even know. Yeah. Badass hardcore dude. Fucks people up. He went to fucking Thailand for like six months. Uh, we get into it. I'm just going to leave you with that. But you can hear about how crazy the training was and shit like that after he moved to Canada. Then he went to Thailand, like I said. Crazy, crazy shit. Good story. Now he's back here in Detroit. Fucking shit up. And... I don't know, I suggest you maybe check out my Instagram or check out the YouTube. I'm not really worried about the videos that much. Obviously, they're uh, pretty low, a low production. But if you like them, that's great. If you don't, don't watch them. The audio is what's most important is the conversation, not what we look like here, okay? So keep listening. Uh, tell your friends. Share uh, the Instagram. It is... Uh, it's Terror Zone podcast on Instagram, and we're on all fucking platforms, uh, podcast wise. So please, whatever you're using, share the link. Be a good, solid supporter, will ya? We'll get to shit popping one day. Maybe one day I'll do a fucking live show whenever. Not live, but like be live on the scene when shows come back. Man, I'll hang out, fucking talk to whoever's there, local bands. Uh, you know, touring bands, anybody coming through, anybody got any ideas like that or can hook me up with the spot, you know, I think that'd be cool to like, go to like, the sanctuary or something and fucking sit out back on a summer day and, you know, whoever walks through wants to talk some shit, do it, spread the word, it can be a show for everybody, anyway, yeah, oh yeah, maybe when uh, the first show back, first or second show back, fucking do the podcast live from there, that'd be sick as fuck. I just thought of that. Anyway, holler at me. Thank you for checking it out. Now record it, and if anything good comes out of it, fucking use it. Just like there's a little pre, pre-smoke fucking convo. Yeah, and there's not really much like editing to this either. We just let it go, and if, this, if it sounds okay, we. Yeah, if it sounds good, we just let it go. Yeah, I mean, let it rip, man. If you say anything that you don't want us to mention, I could edit it out in the audio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nice and cloudy in this motherfucker. Yeah. If I said fucking anything I wasn't supposed to say, I shouldn't have said it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Or, I'll, I'll or if you did it, the they already know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. So anyway, man, I'll just listen to your new fucking album, uh, for Suicide King Ceremonia. Yeah. So how long has it been since you put one out? Been quite a while. So that's a singles here and there, right? Yeah, we did a we did a single with Elder Sensei, um, but fuck, man, I think uh, Rock 'Em to Sleep was the last record, and that was it's probably been a good five or six years yeah. since Suicide Kings put a record out. We did do a tour though. We were up like <clears throat> not this past summer, but the summer before, the summer like before COVID. Yeah, you know, um, you know, the talk and everything. We were supposed to come back that summer. For COVID and all that COVID shit hit, but fucked everything. Yeah, we though. did like two weeks tour over there. It was good. Yeah, how many yeah. cities you go to, or like few countries? Because it's like all, yeah, we did. It's all we, pretty congested, yeah, I mean, so you can do when you're five in Europe, countries in a week. Yeah, when you're in Europe, it's like going to a state here is like going to another country. Yeah, you know. So we did. Uh, we did Finland. We did France. We did uh, Belgium. 
Brussels. Uh, I think we did like three shows in Finland. We did two shows in France. We did like, we were there like two weeks. We did like nine or ten shows. Was, we had a couple crazy. days off. We went to Amsterdam and we yeah, got a lot of friends over there, hardcore and like hip hop. So it has been a hardcore relationship, especially seeing like in Detroit for the longest fucking time. You know, like, you've been going there. You went. I heard Enzo saying something. Uh, you went with him at Coldest Life a long time ago. No, or you went on tour with some my, of those this guys. This is my fourth time to Europe. Well, that was my fourth time to Europe. Uh, three times, like with an actual, like mu- playing music, and then the first time was with Cast and Fire. Okay. So Lenny, Enzo, Jake, uh, and uh, shit, Nate. And uh, Ricardo, who used to play bass from Crackjaw and Underground Disciples and shit. Yeah, Crackjaw. Holy shit. I haven't yeah. with that in a long time. Yeah. That was, that was a good time. That was good. That, that was 2000. Never been on a plane before in my life. Never really been outside of Detroit, I don't think. I think I went to SeaWorld <laughs> with my mom when I was like fucking 10 or something. But uh, first time on a flight, an international flight. I'm scared out of my mind because I never flew. I had this fucking La Bamba shit in my head, man, that this motherfucker's going down. And, you know, it was, it's been a fear. It was a fear of mine, oh, you yeah. know, because I never flew. And uh, at that time, I smoked cigarettes. And lo and behold, you could still fucking smoke on a plane back then, pre 9 11. And there was like three rows in the way back of the plane that had a little curtain. And I just smoked my brains out. <laughs> yeah. Ah. And then, then like, eight hours later, we're in Europe. And I was like, all right, cool. I made it. Yeah, this is fucking scary, though, regardless. I don't care what anybody says. I've been on a plane like four or five times, not that much. But taking off and landing, it's... Those are the worst. It's That's like, the worst oh, time. just holding on for your fucking life. And like, uh, like turbulence. I couldn't imagine like a 13, 14-hour flight or whatever you probably had to do to get over there, huh? Uh, I think that was eight. The longest okay. flight I ever did was to Thailand. Yeah. You'll I get bet. into that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that later. We'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to hear all about that all right. shit. So, so anyway, so so you went with them. Did you have any band started? Was Hyde going then, or was that yeah, all before actually, Hyde? Yeah, Hyde was going, and I had brought uh, maybe like 100 demo tapes, you know, total fucking DIY, Kinko's covers, black and white. Um, if anybody has one of those Hyde demo tapes, let me have it, because uh it was a demo recordings of some of the songs that we put on the first EP, uh, Sky's False Persona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they were different. It was a different recording. And I actually liked that demo recording a little bit better in, in its own way. You know, like the, the recording came out great, mm-hmm. but I liked the demo version too, you know, um, because I mean, I want to say like 10 years ago, somebody showed it to me or posted a demo song or something. And I was like, wow, man, I forgot how much different that sounded. Than that, but yeah, we went over there with like a hundred demo tapes. Hyde, that was two thousand, I think. Hyde started in like ninety eight, ninety nine. So I mean, we were we were Detroit, just playing local shows and shit. And uh, yeah, that was the only band I had going at the time. Is it the first band that you like sang for, or were you like in any other bands before mm-hmm. that? You play any instruments? No, never played. I mean, I do play instruments now and throughout the years. I've learned drums, guitar, bass. Um, I fuck around with some beats and shit too, uh, but at that time, no, I never played any instruments, and I did play in some other bands. I played in a band called uh, Shutter, um, which, name. Was, which was right before Hyde, um, and Will from Hyde and Roots okay. of Anger played in yeah. that in the Alliance, and he, he he played in that with me. But that was a little bit more like kind of like a more of a Deftones type type of band. You know, oh. it was like heavy, but it wasn't a hardcore or metal band. Mm-hmm. 
Um, even yeah. some of the Hyde songs, you, you know, are like right there, you know, on on the brink of like metal hardcore to me anyway. Like, yeah, I, mean, I think it's a, it's a lot different than Alliance. Oh, I think uh, it's, it's a totally different fucking it's thing. One hundred eighty percent different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at that time too, that was like I said, ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand. That's where that metal, well, whatever. I mean, to me, like Agnostic Front always had brought that kind of metal influence mm-hmm. into into hardcore. You know, yeah. like when there when there was a lot of other bands. But I mean, during that time was when that real, almost like that black metal crossover, that real extreme Slayer, Iron Maiden type mm-hmm. of metal crossover started getting mixed with like breakdowns and shit, which, you know, you know, put in that hardcore genre. And then again, too, you know, I mean, at least Hyde, I mean, I wasn't singing about Dungeons and Dragons and, and shit, you know, <laughs> yeah. might have been pretty metal based, <laughs> but the lyric content was uh, always still hardcore. the same. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. Either way, <clears throat> so, so I'm assuming you were into hip hop before hardcore, right? Like you must have been. Everybody seems like there's uh, at least roots my, always yeah. hardcore. At least my generation. I don't know. Me and my generation was like my. I got a brother that's seven years older. So when I was, I mean, shit. We'll go back to eleven. Just to say, eleven years old. Nineteen. No, I think I was eleven or twelve. Nineteen eighty nine. Nineteen eighty eight. And uh, and Justice for All came out, and again I think around the same time like N.W.A.'s mm-hmm. Straight Outta Compton just came out. So I mean in the hip hop world that was that was new. You know there was nothing like that before that. So I was a young kid for the most part listening to that growing up. So I was right there at the start of all that you know rap and gangster rap stuff. And then the metal was just always there. My brother it was Slayer and Anthrax and Metallica, and then uh, around that time to 11, 12, 13, I was skateboarding. So, you know, you mixed all the metal with all the hip-hop, like Ice Cube and NWA and Public Enemy, and I remember Ice-T, OG came Fuck. out. I mean, all, all <laughs> yeah. that stuff. And I was like one year old then, but I know 80s, all the music. Early 90s. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the skateboarding crowd, actually, is probably the crowd that introduced me more into the punk rock stuff. Uh, the cir- like circle jerks. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, so I remember the first time I heard suicidal tendencies was, oh, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> That's some different shit. Skate especially... dudes from LA yeah. that are like playing metal, you know, which, you know, at the time was really hardcore. You know, it was me to metal at the time because I didn't really know hardcore. Yeah. Because you don't know what it is till you're like immersed in hardcore. This is fucking hardcore. Yeah. You know, just totally different thing. So, yeah, I always listen to, uh, I always listen to hip hop, always listen to metal. Um, I remember having to, uh, I would dub tapes, you know, back in the day. Oh, yeah. Still dubbing tapes. And I would write different shit on my hip-hop, or rap, you can call it hip-hop. It was rap tapes. Like, I wouldn't put Ice-T or stuff on it. I would put, like, Winger, you know, or Poison or some <laughs> shit. So if my oh, mom seen Oh, them, yeah, yeah, yeah. So nobody knew. <laughs> gotta hide she'd that be shit. like, what oh, the yeah. fuck? I heard about N.W.A. You're not listening to this shit, you know? So. Yeah. I'll sneak you back then, you know. Good, you gotta um, be. Yeah, so that's I mean, upbringing, upbringing metal, hip hop. I mean, but everything, you know. My mom, I mean, my earliest recollection of <clears throat> listening to music and having a like thought of like, wow, I like this, or you know, wow, this makes me feel a certain way was uh, Motown, man. You know. I love it. You know, I, my mom had a 1972 Pontiac Grand Prix uh, 
from when my dad was still alive and it was, was early, early 80s. And I just remember riding around, uh, you know, like having to do errands with her, listening to Motown and this red leather Pontiac and shit, going to the bank where people could still smoke at a bank. <laughs> stand in line. Stand in line, yeah, man. They had the, they had the, the taller... Uh, ashtrays and shit and you could you know you could smoke in the mall back oh, in the day but yeah crazy, isn't it that's probably my first recollection of like you know hearing all that stuff and it motown like i was in spoke to me in whatever way made me feel good to this day if i could only have one sort of music it would be give me all the motown greats that's know? awesome man yeah. i fucking yeah see my dad was like bob seeger like mc5 ted nugent all you know he he used to tell me he remembers seeing uh, mc5 like Way back in the day, up at the band shell here in Lincoln Park, yeah, he said like they would be like kick out the jams, motherfucker. They get the plug pulled all the time just because they would start with that. Like they wouldn't even get to play. Yeah, Down Rivers had some cool shows. My brother-in-law seen Kiss at the Yak Arena back oh, yeah. in the seventies. That's you know? fucking crazy. Um, but yeah, my mom and and pops were a little older than that, you know. Mm-hmm. So my sister had the Bob Seger records and, and all that shit, and okay. Ted Nugent. And, you know, I remember going into my sister's room to steal change or something when I was a kid kid and seeing the Quiet Riot record uh, with the dude. Do you, do you know what the record cover looks like? No. Nope. Okay, the record cover is this dude in, like, this red leather jacket, but it's a straight jacket, and he's got, like, a hockey mask on. Oh, shit. It does, it, it's not like a Jason-looking hockey mask. It's almost even more twisted. And he's like straight jacket with this hockey mask on like this. As a nine year old kid, I was like, "Whoa, this is fucked up," you know. <laughs> Seeing shit like that, yeah. you know. Yeah, see, I had a totally different influence. Like my sister's older than me, like eight, six years older than me. I remember going into her room and seeing like her CD collection. It was like Dr. Dre, The Chronic, and like fuck Master P, like Ghetto D and shit. So that's what I was. He first interested. Uh, introduced to mm-hmm. you know like it was hip-hop like early 90s hip-hop and uh you know all i had was two older sisters and so they don't listen to, like no punk no hardcore no metal nothing they're listening yeah. to fucking like britney spears and shit yeah. watching like what's that um trl on mtv i was like i was like limp biscuit i liked it because it was heavier but i didn't know i was like fifth sixth grade like i like this like loud shit mm-hmm. so but so back then you were already into hardcore when i first heard like 98 99 like Man. definitely radio shit, but still gets your like gets you going, like interested, like to, like that sound, you know, like guitars and like whatever kind of shit he's like, screaming about. Yeah, absolutely. And then you hear it, and uh, and then you just like, meet like your friends at school. They'll be like, "Well, fucking check this." I was like, "Hey, breed," or you know, something heavier, like even like a Meshuggah. That wasn't on the radio. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. I started listening to that. Yeah. yeah, that's a good thing about music too, man. At least you know. For me and my group of friends and a lot of the friends I still have today, <clears throat> um, you know, music brought us together one way or the other, whether it was listening to it or, you know, back in the day, you know, shows were more violent. So you kind of did want to roll with a group of people, oh, you know, yeah. in case some shit happened and you never know what was going to happen, at least back then. So you met people, you know, um, You know, and even the whole crew shit, man, it's like I never understood being in a crew with a bunch of dudes that you don't know, you know, because to me, the only crew that I had or that I needed was my people around me that I knew anyway. Right. So whatever the fuck, slap a name on it. But we're, you know what I'm saying? You're still my seven, eight, you know, dudes, right? Mm -hmm. 
So it's all you need sometimes. Yeah, you know, music music's good all around, man. I don't know where where I would be without music and you know other shit in my life. So yeah. so so going back though, to you like being introduced like hardcore and shit. Like, do you remember like some of the first like hardcore shows you went to? Like whether it be so like early nineties. I got a, I got a funny yeah I got a funny story for you. So. Lenny's my boy. Yeah. You know, I'm, everybody knows me and Lenny are really, really good friends. And Lenny from, from 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 Earth Mover, who don't know. Yeah, everybody knows Earth though. Yeah, all this. Len, shit. Len Mover, Lenny, Tornado Anims. Um, so <laughs> I, mean, Tornado, I never heard that. One? Yeah, no, that's, no, that's an old one. Yeah, that's a yeah. close one. Huh? To, you see Lenny's little ass in the pit. Back in the day, yeah, he used to get down. But so I'd have to say my first introduction to actual actual hardcore, you know, quote unquote, whatever was there was a radio station uh, from Canada, from Windsor. Uh, I think it was called CJM. I might I might be totally wrong. It might be the Calgary station. I think it is. But there was a radio station in Windsor, and if anybody's listening you remember this, please let me know the radio station. This is mid-'90s, and I'm sure it was probably around a little bit before that. But I used to have a friend who lived in Riverview, and we we were into metal and stuff at that time. You know, I'm junior high maybe just getting into high school at this point uh started smoking the sweet leaf you know so we used to sit in his driveway and smoke and it was the only place we could really get this canadian windsor station in you know like you'd we'd move like two feet out of his driveway oh, yeah. and it would and it would go still, away still you can get some canadian yeah stations. still you can get some <laughs> the canadian way you're standing stations. yeah yeah but the station was on at like midnight on a friday or saturday i think he used to deliver pizzas. We used to go there after he was done, and, and we'd chill and smoke and listen. And, again, that's how we found out about a bunch of cool uh, music. I found out about Integrity because they were playing Integrity. I found out about Earth Crisis. I found out about a bunch of cool bands. And then I heard um, – oh, no, I'm bad. Let me take it back a little bit. So we were listening to this radio station, and I went to go see the Deftones at the shelter. It was $3.00. It was the Deftones before they had a record out back when uh, they used to give out these little cassette samplers at shows and stuff like that. It seen was, that a shelter would be weird. Like, Well, this was before the shelter was redone, yeah. too. They actually had like a little waist-high kind of barricade up. Okay. And it was like the dance floor, and then that barricade kind of separated the dance floor and then like where the bar and stuff still is. But anyway, I heard about the Deftones from... Uh, uh, show out in Westland, like like the Mosquito Club. Somebody was handing out. They used to be like promo tapes for up and coming bands, mm-hmm. and it'd be like a song on each side, and it'd come in a little cardboard sleeve. And if they were playing in town, there might be a sticker on it that said "playing so and so." So that's what it was. Listen to the the tracks. I think it was "Bored" and "Teething," which never even made it on like that first Deftone record, which is heavy as fuck. And I was like, "Wow, these guys are cool." Shelter, three bucks, cool. And it was uh, Earth Mover and the Gutter Punks that opened. Go there with my buddy, and we're there to see uh, the Deftones, right? And Earth Mover opens, and it was my first introduction to, uh, like, hardcore, hardcore. Because they hit the stage, and boom, Lenny's, Lenny's ass up and, uh, hit the, hits the ground running and <laughs> touches the wall and does some, like, jump fucking sidekick off the wall into the crowd, and it boom shit just blew up and i'm like wow <laughs> you know and it was that newer style of dancing i mean you're just swinging her arms and shit yeah it was different than what i was used to at harpo's or seeing a pantera show maybe at that point yeah you know um 
And I was like, wow, man. And I seen the set and I was blown away. The Deftones come on. It was awesome. The next weekend we go back and, and uh, we used to call in and, requ- and request shit, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, I was just at this show uh, downtown Detroit and this band called Earth Mover played. Do you have any of their shit? Guy's like, yeah, I think I got a 10-inch. Must have been the first 10-inch that they did. It was, I think it was a, I don't know, I think it might have been a European thing. It was like two songs from them and maybe two songs from somebody else or something. I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was something really old. It was 95, 96. And the guy played it. And it sounded like shit. <laughs> so I was not used to like the punk rock hardcore yeah. recordings, especially <laughs> back then. Yeah. Oh man, it was horrible. And I was like, this ain't the same fucking band. These guys suck. What is this? You know, blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't till like literally like a year or two later to where I seen Earth Mover. And I'm still not friends with Lenny at this time, you know, or, oh, or, right. or, yeah, or yeah. before. I seen Earth Mover with, uh, it was Universal Stamp and Underground Disciples, 98 at the Pharaohs. It was their uh, CD release show for Death Carved in Every Word. And, I mean, that record still to this day is so fucking, fucking amazing. Good, and, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> again, seeing them live, they killed it live the first time. They killed it live this time. And then Death Carved in Every Word was a much better recording and, and mixed. And they, you know, whatever, maybe they had money or time to put into it and you know, still to this day, one of my favorite CDs. So that was probably my first, first introduction to that was seeing Earth Mover accidentally. So that's fucking sweet. Good show. Yeah. 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 Well, sort of like the same thing. I was already in, I started off like punk and shit. Then I went to uh, the shelter though to see if bleeding through. I liked them because they were like the metal core. I didn't yeah, know I what like hardcore through. was or anything. Yeah. And uh, it was them and fucking Himsa. I remember that band. Mm-hmm. Like I just thought it was like metal. Like, I didn't know what the fuck it was then. And, uh, I seen them, but I let it die opened. Yeah. And so I just remember like seeing that like hardcore dancing for like the first time, like people like spinning and fucking people up, like hanging off like uh, the speakers yeah, yeah. at the shelter, like oh, kicking yeah. people. <laughs> like yeah, good old days. Yeah, man. And that's you know I seen some like some other shit. I already said this, but it's fun to talk about because you know, like your introduction like to that type of shit, it really fucking sticks with you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I mean, that's it. my that was my I'll never forget that show. You know that that. Deftones Earth Mover show that was yeah. cool, and then just like I mean, the price like three dollars. It was just the whole, the time. You know, everything's got a time and place, right? Yeah, it does. Fuck. I mean, so, so what year was that? Like ninety five, ninety six. Yeah, I think that was like ninety six. Let's go to fucking Hyde. When did Hyde start? What year was that? Ninety eight. That was probably like ninety eight. Fucking around. I think the demo was ninety nine. Um, 99 into 2000, you know? So you had what? You went up on Tribunal Records. Do I think that, is that right? Did that happen or no? Yeah, yeah. We were on Tribunal. Yeah. Um, again, that was that time when, when that style was new or newer or whatnot. So, I mean, it was actually Face Down from Canada. You know, we were, we were friends with all those guys. Shout out to Face Down. Um, they were, you know, they helped a lot. Face Down helped a lot of Detroit bands, you know. Um, come over to Windsor and play during that time. Fuck if it yeah. wasn't for, you know, like Jim and those guys, uh, a lot of those Windsor shows wouldn't happen, you know. Um, yeah, there's like a few. For Windsor's a fucking pretty small, but they're lucky that Detroit back when it was easier to cross. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like you heard Cold's Life talk about it. It was a lot hard. I don't know how it is now because I don't fucking go over there anymore. But 
you know, back in the day, it was sneaking people over in trunks and borrowing equipment, and <laughs> one dude might not get over. So, can anybody kind of play bass or you know? <laughs> so, yeah, man. Um, yeah, it was uh, Face Down kind of hooked us up with that. You know, we had the demo out, and they had just put out a record on Tribunal. Uh, I think Undying was on Tribunal. Prepper Cleansing was on Tribunal. It was a it was a stacked label at that time for that style. So, yeah, Matt from Tribunal. We did the first EP with him and then the full length with Matt as well. Yeah. Then, when there's some time, did you have a record label too at one time? Was it, I did have a record was label. Vendetta, was that yeah, you? Yeah, Vendetta Records, yeah. 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 For a small, small yeah. time. Yeah, because I remember that because uh, fucking uh, Quit Your Life. Remember that band Quit yeah, Your Life? Yeah, Quit Your Life. Yeah. They were on your record label. I love right? those guys, man. Yeah. Awesome, <laughs> That's what I'm saying, dude. Awesome punk, punk band, So man. fucking yeah. good, man. I remember those dudes, like the uh, Don River Love Show and shit like that. I always said, too, man, fucking great name for a band, especially a punk band. Quit Your Life, dude. Quit Your Life. <laughs> That's it. You know? But Kenny and fucking Tommy and all them guys. You're good guys. Yeah. But, uh, good. Daniel. Remember, remember that band, Daniel? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, fuck yeah. Wasn't it? You had um, It's All Gone to Hell, too? It's or? All Gone. I put out the first It's All Gone to Hell stuff. Yeah. Um, um, a couple releases. Not much. I mean, running a label was hard, especially oh, yeah. back then. Yeah, it was cool, though, because that's... Uh, I was really more just trying to do my part and, and help out. There was no real... I ever thought I would make any like serious money off of it or what it was supposed to be something lucrative it was just more like if i can Helping do this and out. put out releases and you know i had uh um distribution through tribunal mm-hmm. um as like a subsidiary label so that was like another big reason why i decided to do it because uh during that time i don't know if it, again i don't know if it's still around but lumberjack distribution i remember that name yeah lumberjack was in ohio so for at least at least for us it was super easy and we had a lot of friends that worked there too that played in bands like Premonitions of War and Next to Nothing and stuff. And so it was really easy to go down there and buy CDs at like, you know, a wholesale price, take them on tour, still be able to give them to people super cheap and make like a buck or two a CD that just helped us eat and put just some gas your, in the band. Your time, yeah, a little bit. And, and we got a lot of other shit out there too you know so good networking yeah it was super it was super cool so you shit everywhere yeah, i just remember though because a little story about like vendetta uh you had uh there was like a logo that you had it was like it was like a molotov cocktail you remember that mm-hmm. yeah and i was in art class and probably like like 10th grade maybe <laughs> i can tell you i was in art class with him over here and we had to do like one of those we had to like draw something and it was with uh like Black ink only is one of those things that you like dip in like, mm-hmm. the thing and you had to fucking like color it. I did that whole thing on like a big ass like 24 by like 18 sheet of paper, fucking Vendetta Records with the Molotov cocktail. And like I didn't even know. All I knew was Quit Your Life on that label. I don't know who you, who you were or if anybody else. I just knew Quit Your Life. And I was like, that's a sick ass logo. I wish I still had it, but. Did you fucking get an A or what? Yeah, hell yeah, I did. Yeah, my teacher fucking loved it. You miss Sisk? I didn't do shit, dude. I would just sleep in that. I'd be all fucking stoned after lunch. Look like, cool. I ain't doing shit. Yeah. But that's when I was like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> I, I always like to hear that stuff. Yeah, man. Like, I didn't even know who the Alliance was. I think one of your first albums was just on that record label. I remember seeing the red the red uh, album art in love. Oh, it? the first record was on... Um, it, was like a, it was a European label. Okay. I just remember seeing it, though. I uh, again, I don't, I, I don't remember because it it's was a long ass twenty ago. some years ago. But yeah. if if the Vendetta logo was on it, it was just 
for me to have mm-hmm. to handle the distribution over yeah, here. No, I thought it was just on the website, know? like maybe just like on the website. I remember maybe yeah, I'm not sure. That was a fucking long time ago. It's funny. I don't even. I didn't remember. I haven't thought about that in yeah, for a the long shit that time. Sticks yeah, with people, yeah. Though. Well, you know, well you're older, so with me it's like ten years maybe, but you know. You, it's local things that you look up to when you see people like doing the shit when you're at a young age. It's mm. I mean, just shit you remember. Like you probably remember distribution people and record labels. Yeah. That is, like, I mean, I remember going to uh, Cold as Life and Earth Mover shows and seeing the, the distro CDs. I mean, you don't see that at all anymore <laughs> just because CDs are dead in general. But uh, Mike Hasty used to, used to have a run, he'd run a nice distro, you know, he used to show up and they'd be you know, three or four of these plastic bins like this yeah with stuff CDs back when shit. you know i mean again you had labels like trust kill and uh death wish and all the labels that really needed you know that kind of stuff yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the percentages was but i mean i know it was wasn't all getting sold in stores no you maybe know? like the t-shirt I mean, place that was like it yeah the t-shirt place and that was even that was random, is because there was certain people that worked there that liked the music, so they got, brought yeah. some CDs in. But other than that, yeah, I just remember the one on mm-hmm. um, Taylor. Like that's where I found like all the local shit. Like I'd go in there and buy a shirt and, and just go to the t-shirt place because it would have just. Well, it's like you couldn't check it out. You'd be like, well, I like the band name, or say like four fans of like mm-hmm. Hate Breed and Terror or yeah. whatever. And I'm like, well, I like that shit, and mm-hmm. it's it's weird how you. How you learn new bands, and now you just go on the internet, and it suggests it for you. Now you had to fucking bump into it, you know. Definitely, you had you, you didn't have to. Well, at least in my area, you couldn't even bump into it. You had to look for it, you know. Again, I we, everybody talks about the same shit, but yeah, the fanzines back in the day, the 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 show distros, you couldn't just you know go online and download it. And I mean, you had to go to the show. You had to find out about these bands, you know, that were on tour from fucking buffalo new york you know like and they're in detroit like in a van touring um i mean i remember that's how i found out about like bands like despair and and you know scott's first band and stuff yeah, oh yeah. was an earth mover show you know um yeah it's just i miss it but whatever it is you know it yeah. is how it, it is what it is you know yeah, everything you everything changes it, it comes in cycles too you know people are interested and they're not or yeah some, or some like you know just old people like older dudes like yeah i like what i like there's no reason to i'm one of those dudes for sure <laughs> yeah i mean i'm open-minded i for you sure. know if i told you some of the shit i listen to you'd laugh at me it's not all hardcore you know <laughs> but um when it comes to when it comes to hardcore uh, particularly, I'm, I'm, I'm I want to say I'm a bit jaded, but at the same time, I'm just like you. I know what I like. I would rather hear another Madball record because I love fucking Madball and I know the sound and I know what it's gonna sound like. Fuck yeah. And I mean, I get when people say, "Oh, I don't want to hear the same record." Well, sometimes I do from that band. I, you know, that's why I like that band because I can count on them sounding a certain way. Yeah. You know. Um, so, you know, especially for like hardcore, just cause I, you know, I listen to hardcore, but only I listen to hardcore when I work out and box and stuff. I don't very rarely like bump it in my car. Like I did back in the day as much, you know, um, although I have been playing all the cold as life stuff in my car because it just got released like digitally. Oh yeah. You know, easier to listen to. It's just easier to listen to. Yeah. So as far as like newer stuff, um, 
hardcore wise or heavier wise it's just you know been the, it's not newer but it's just it's all good so all the coldest life stuff that got released digitally i do like that code orange band and oh, yeah. uh they just put out a new record i don't know how new it is but i just found out about it it's for being metal and just heavy as fuck it's, i like it you know yeah they blew up out of nowhere too they're from like i think philly pennsylvania yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, i've seen them I took my son to see Hatebreed uh, when they did the uh, 20 Years of Satisfaction. That's great. Seen it at the Majestic, Code Orange opened, and uh, fucking Dying Fetus. Mm. (laughs) So for for a 10-year-old kid, man. I love seeing uh, young kids at shows. That's that's awesome. Yeah. I remember seeing a Sick of It All show way back when, and... uh, I was, you know, I was young, not like a kid kid, but I was was young, late teens, early 20s. And like uh, somebody had their son at a show, and it was a sick of it all show. And I think it might have even been St. Andrews or something. It was a bigger spot, and sick of it all, always just being like a fun loving, cool band. They were like, dude, get out He's here, chill. Yeah. you know. And somebody put him on his shoulders, you know, and they were right out there. And he was like, I mean, like, how cool is that? That's fucking awesome. You know, that's fucking awesome. So I'm pretty sure your kid will remember that oh yeah he, he like, does i've seen this show with my dad you know yeah he likes code orange still like i'll hear him listen to that but he listens like you know whatever like, i'm you know how what 13 year old kids like but he still watches like code orange videos i'm like what the fuck like he's cool. stuck with him i like it yeah, i'm cool. like but what about hate breed, though what about hate breed? yeah he's like yeah <laughs> i'll get there yeah hopefully but um fuck what was i about to say i had something i was gonna work off of there but um so, so last album you did with the alliance was hit him up right mm-hmm. yeah. i remember that was the last one well when you released it it was like a free cd if you went to the show um, it was at the modern exchange when you released it yeah. man that was one of the fucking crazy shows it seemed like, like every time at the modern exchange it didn't matter who was playing like it was fucking so rowdy. You know, it's funny. Like, I don't remember that show. No? <laughs> I <laughs> see it, man. I'm I don't remember crazy. the CD release show. I, I just remember a lot of shows at Modern Exchange during that 2005, 6, 7 era, I think, maybe. Yeah. And they, yeah, they were all pretty crazy for being a uh, downriver spot in, like, the middle of the suburbs, like... You know? I mean, yeah, there were some good... There were some good shows there. Fucking, like, Sworn Enemy? I, I want to say... Shit. I seen Bad Luck Thirteen there. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, you did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. I, I think it was, it was a smaller show, and if I remember, it was a little bit more tame than other times I've seen Bad Luck Thirteen. But I mean, garbage cans were still getting thrown all over the place oh, yeah. and shit. But there wasn't like I mean, it was smaller, so there was only so much people were interacting. But it was I mean, yeah, you had Bad Luck Thirteen and Modern Exchange. Yeah. Uh, Hoods. Yeah, I, I remember we played enemy. there with Death Before Dishonor. Lionheart played there. Yeah, they're fucking. There's, yeah, there's a lot of good shows. Now. Yeah, a lot of good shows. Lionheart's another one of my. Again, I, they're not new, but they're um, like relevant right now. Yeah, you know, like I really Still like Lionheart. I always have. I like the progression of Lionheart um, because I'm such a hip hop head. I love the dude's vocals, man. I think like as far as like. As far as vocals and hip hop, it's just my op- opinion and personal liking this, right? I feel like one of the reasons why Hatebreed was so like commercially accepted, and that's not a bad thing, you know, because they never changed. Hatebreed's Hatebreed, you yeah, know. Yeah. Is be one of the, I feel one of the big reasons is because you can understand what Jamie's saying, even if you're a, a person who isn't like deeply submerged 
and like hard, heavy music, which we all know is like really screamy and, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you don't know what the person's saying. You could understand what Jamie was saying. So I think it appealed to a wider crowd that might like heavy music, but didn't like, you know, they might not have liked Buried Alive or or, or whatever or something, but they liked the lyrics to figure out what he's saying for the most part. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. you really have to read the lyrics. And I, I mean, being one of those people that was harder to understand until Hit 'em Up came out, uh, and that's kind of where I'm going with this is, uh, I used to get that all the time from people that were like, oh, I like it, but they, they really didn't listen to hardcore metal. So I don't want to be like, oh, well, this isn't for you then. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I, I always thought that was one of the cool things was like, dude, nobody's fucking excluded from listening to this, playing this music, partaking in this music in the crowd and like, whether it be stage diving or, you know, yeah. um, be respectful, but no one's too cool to fucking dance or jump off the fucking stage or grab this mic and sing. So, that's it. you know, but I really like his vocal style. I like the fact that like it's it's you can understand it now. It's really he's got a really like good flow and a good hip hop cadence. Oh, yeah, for sure. Vocals. Yeah, I mean like him and Freddie Madball, like they they kill that shit when it comes down to like that that street vocal style. You really understand. Really it, understandable. Still hard yeah. as fuck. Um, like I said, it's just that it's got that head nod shit. Fuck you yeah. know. You know, that, yeah. that, that again is why I, I mean, for me in hip hop and hardcore, I loved hip hop. I loved that, you know, I loved listening to the lyrics and not knowing I didn't, I was fucking nine, 10 years old. I didn't know what Compton was or any of that shit, but it enthralled me because these guys are talking about shit that I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it, it's interesting to me, you know, who wants to hear about the same old shit all the time, you know? So yeah, yeah but, man. So- Oh, sorry, I mean to cut you no, off. No. With uh, with hit 'em up, yeah, the last record we we put out and my personal favorite record because I fi- I felt like we finally, at least in my eyes, got to where I always wanted the band to be, like sounding wise, yeah, you know, and vibe and like the, that whole vibe wise, you know, yeah. Well, you compared to the other albums, though, it's not like like a distorted voice, so you can really hear what you're saying. And, yeah, I mean, you, you listen really to the along, first man. record, and it it's like hate breed under the knife mm-hmm. type of, you know. Fuck yeah, but it's like it's super still good. Ha- it's just a little a little yeah, different. Yeah, no, it's just different, right? I mean, vocal, but the vocal vocal style was a huge part of that. You know, we also had different members too. You know, the li- the lineup from that first record to hit them up is. 100% different. You know, the first lineup was Vinny and Jake from Dogs of War, mm-hmm. Jake playing drums, Vinny playing guitar, Jay Clifton, who ended up being our drummer on the last two records, was playing guitar. Uh, a guy named Nate from up north was playing bass. Nate left. Vinny and Jake left. I mean, three members left, even on the second record. The second okay. record was uh, Time Heals Nothing. And you could see that was a little... You could kind of see the direction we were trying to go in For sure. with that record as opposed to the first one. That record had pretty much the... Both high guitar players came to the Alliance. Mike and then Will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Clifton switched over to drums, which, you know, Clifton's a fucking awesome drummer. I mean, Clifton's a great musician in general, but drums is awesome, you know. Yeah, give me one second. For sure. Oh, shit. Oh, oh, no. Yeah, you know, it's fine. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're fine, man. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. If I'm, you know, I'm off by like 11 anyway. All right. It doesn't yeah, matter where we are. I a ton of water, bro. So <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, me too. Okay. Well, we had to piss. Yeah, we had to piss. Drink a lot of water. <laughs> Stay hydrated. You do. You got to have fucking clear piss. You got to have clear piss, man. If my piss ain't clear by the middle of the day... I ain't drinking enough water, you man. You drink a half gallon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, it's, it's something I've always, well, not something I've always done from training, you know. I just always, always drink. Well, I used to walk around with a gallon jug on me, and now I just don't do that so much. <laughs> How long have you been training for? Yeah. <laughs> you got to have some water. I'll always have, like, a water bottle with me, you know. I love water. But anyway, I don't know where, it doesn't matter. We're talking about uh, the last album, Hit Him Up. Yeah. Will there ever be another Alliance no. album? No, never. No, the, never going to have. You moved on. I mean, I can't. I'll never say never, but I don't. I don't see another Alliance record. That's okay. In the future, any um, hardcore record come from you ever? Well, we'll say this about the Alliance record: if if somebody wanted to do the Alliance again, meaning like if they want to write a record and, and and keep the name the Alliance. Oh yeah, sure. If Mike or anybody that was a core member was like, yo, I really want to be a part of it. I really want to write a new record. Oh, yeah. Sure, we'll give a crack at it. But, I mean, I don't really see another alliance. You got other th- hey, you know, that's a fun fucking band, band, man. As far as, uh, I mean, we'll always do reunion shows if there ever is shows again and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm always down to, like, you know, play a show for the, you know, fuck a playing a show or like a benefit if anybody thinks we would draw anybody to help out. <laughs> That'd be fucking awesome. Let us know. Awesome. We'll play a reunion show for sure. Shit, I'm having a benefit in my fucking backyard. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as far as a new project, um, I've tried, you know, in the in the sense of like I've, I've, I've put it out there and uh, I don't know, maybe people just don't want to be in a band with me. I'm an asshole. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, I haven't really got a lot of feedback. You know, okay. I talked to one cat. I won't call him out on this on this podcast a little bit about working, and it's just you know life. Yeah, you know, kids, work, whatever. It just never it never manifested. So it's you know, um, I would be down to do a hardcore project, but like I'm very, <clears throat> I'm very picky. Maybe this, that's why this dude didn't want to work with me. You know, I I got a certain th- like sound that I want to do. I don't want to do the same thing I've done for the past however many years, um, especially with how much I've done in hip-hop since like being in a hardcore band. Now, I'm not saying I want to turn it into Limp Biscuit, but I do have a certain sound of a, you know, if I, if I was going to put a stamp on it, you know, I want, to sound, I want it to sound more in the realm of a mad ball biohazard. Uh, and with that being said, th- that street, I want that street hip-hop element yeah. like like biohazard had and like madball had in whatever project i'm doing because i mean vocals are going to be like that i'm not going to like scream the whole time you know i'd like some diversity you right. know even but, like uh would you even throw like a death threat sound in there absolutely yeah I fucking love death threat Fuck yeah, yeah big death threat band even you know, again death threat to me is one of those bands that without having like that you know Evan from Biohazard, you know, Death Threat doesn't do that, but they are a very 
street hardcore band, I would say. You know, they, they have that certain yeah, And that you can understand him. And you can understand yeah, what he says. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember a lot of people back in the day didn't like his vocals because he was so... Uh, he, because he didn't distort his voice and because he didn't sound like fucking the, Jamie Hatebreed. No growling. Yeah. And I liked it, man, because I was very it's like the, the cadence. You know, he had a really cool cadence with yeah. some of his flows Almost and stuff. Almost hip-hop type yeah. of shit is yeah. all... So yeah, Death Threat would be another another cool influence to, to throw in there, you know, but... Fuck. And then, uh... I don't think there's no more Alliance records. No, maybe, yeah, maybe, like yeah. I said, maybe Reunion... Uh, I would be down to do another record or another project with somebody for for sure, absolutely. Fuck yeah! Um, but it's got to be the right person, you know, right people, same mindset. At this age, I don't want to, I don't want to go through the band thing of like arguing about how it's supposed to sound. You know what I'm saying? For sure. It would pretty much have to be like me and probably the guitar player, whoever's writing the music, just clicked, and like I trust him so much in the sense that we're like we're such on this on the same wavelength of. What we're trying to do, like whatever he brings me, I'm just like, yeah, dope, yeah, dope, you know. Fuck yeah. But <sighs> so, let's... a lot of your lyrics, like you talk about, like, <laughs> like grew up quick and and grew up mean. How's it growing up for you, man? Like, uh, were you like, uh, were you like a uh, like a wild child? <laughs> were you a wild child? Sounds like you're a wild. I don't even know you, but. I mean, we were all, I mean, maybe some of us weren't. Like, I got a niece who I'm so glad she's 17 now and is nowhere near. Doing crazy shit. Yeah, I mean, she, fuck, man. She's innocent of kids. Yeah, Yeah. she's super innocent, and I'm glad that it's like that. Um, Again, I don't mean, like, everybody's got a story, right? Uh, in, in, In short, yeah, I mean, I grew up what's hard right did i grow up poor no did i grow up hard i would think so in 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 a no i'm good for now i'm good thanks man in a typical sense of yeah man it was definitely not uh picket fences and fucking daisies you know know, my dad died when i was super young uh he worked for detroit edison which is an old term that i don't even know if you know do you know what detroit edison is like electricity? Yeah. yeah. Detroit Edison yeah. used to be DTE. It yeah, yeah, switched yeah, yeah, over yeah. to DTE. But yeah, Detroit, I remember when people still call it Edison. Edison, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Detroit Edison was like the electric company. I mean, they, they ran a lot of stuff, and my dad was a steel worker. So he died on the job. Shit. Um, you would think my family would be rich, but, I mean, that it didn't work out that way either. Uh, you know, I had a stepdad. He was a dick. <laughs> you know, I mean, what are you going to say? I mean, like there was, there was, uh, there's abuse, there's physical abuse, you know, there was, there was fucking the screaming and the yelling and, uh, you know, the home life wasn't the best. It's not to say my mom, my mom's a great woman and she, you know, especially with my dad dying with three kids, got put in a hard spot, you know? Yeah. And as far as my stepdad being a you know, not the best person to be brought in, eh, you know, people make mistakes. So, no, I mean, I, I was pretty much out, out when I think I was 18 or 19. I was out of the house and I was just starting to do music then. So, uh, you know, I grew up downriver and you know, people always ask me about downriver or like where I'm from when you go. I've been quite a bit around the world. 
So whether it be Europe or whatever, or even just another city, you know, like, oh, you're from Detroit? I'm from Downriver, which is two miles from Detroit. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I always try to tell people that, meaning like, I, I mean, there was not bullets whizzing through my window every night, you know, but being a troubled young kid from a, a unstable home and Detroit being so close, I was hanging out there and doing a lot of things easy access easy access uh that i should not have been involved in or anywhere around uh there's plenty of instances that man one the wrong day the wrong second and i you know i could not be here talking with you for sure so yeah i mean like i said i ain't i ain't fucking bitching either though um you know my home life is what it is what it was you know but I'm also that adapt and overcome type of personality, yeah. you know. I mean, I didn't have a dad. I never fucking once bitched about what I don't have or what I could have had because of that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? If anything, I'm a type of person where it's just been, I got to work harder to get what I want. I've always felt, you know, it's always, you know, some people maybe get shit handed to them quite yeah. easily. I, I don't. And it, if... I, whatever accomplishments I have made or things that I've had, I've had to work like a lot harder to get them, you know? Yeah, man, I can relate to like, I had it easy for, for like a while growing up until, you know, like my dad like owned the store, like I said, in Wyandotte mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, always like growing up kind of had, you know, kind of do whatever I wanted. We like vacations and shit, but like, I really didn't learn, had to earn anything for like a long time up until he passed away. I was like 21 and he died and like the store, like went like uh, his partner and shit. So like we really didn't get much from that. But I kind of always, uh, you know, depended on my dad. Mm. You know, so after he passed away, I was like, oh, fuck. Like I worked for him, so I just assumed I was gonna be working there. You know, like made my mm-hmm. whole life and just fuck work under him. But like when he passed away, uh, it's like I had to fuck really work for what I wanted rather than having that uh, dependence. You know, that's good though. And, you know, yeah, I fucking learned a lot. Like oh shit, like real life is. Harder out there for a lot of fucking real people. life is real. <laughs> Hell yeah, man, it's scary. Real life is real. So, yeah, I mean, my mine was opposite. Like I said, I never. I'm not trying to front like I didn't have clothes on my back and shit like right. that. But uh, my mom liked to pretend that we were something we weren't. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Put it this way: my brother's first car. It's like a front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We lived in a neighborhood we really couldn't afford. I mean, like, you know, you know, when everybody was getting like cars oh yeah like we weren't you know it almost made you feel like <laughs> why the fuck are we you know he this, he's getting new shit he gets new shit like you know i remember my brother's first car was like a 80 something buick skylark that caught on fire because the bottom was rusted out and the the carpet you know oh yeah <laughs> from from it getting so hot oh, from the exhaust feet, or something like literally caught on fire his car burnt yeah. down you oh, know shit. um <laughs> but like I said, I'm not trying to say I didn't have clothes on my back, but I, I definitely, I mean, you, you, that line was whatever hustle. I don't even know what the fuck it was. Grew up quick. Grew up yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and there was another line. I think yeah. that was the same song. It says, I've been hustling ever since I was 13 or oh, something. Yeah. And then that's just kind of my, I always got to hustle. That's the only way I, I knew how to. Yeah. I mean, get, you learned get quick, by, though. get what I want, learn quick. I mean, I was fucking 11 years old selling golf balls 
even at that young, you know, I had a hustle, you know, like, uh, I'd go in the Creek and, and at night and get all the golf balls and clean them up. And then I would go ride my bike a couple miles over to the, the nice golf course. And I'd sit out there and I'd sell them That's three awesome. for a buck and shit and <clears throat> run away from the fuckers on the carts that used to try and get me. Um, but to buy skateboard shit, you know, back then my mom, you know, like I said, we, I had clothes and shit, but if it was like, I mean, I remember back then, I think skateboard decks were like 25 bucks a piece. Shit. I used to crack them bitches a lot. I was a skateboarder, you know? Yeah. So, boom, a crack a deck. My mom wouldn't, like, give me 25 bucks to go get a new deck. What? No way. You know? I remember when, like, Air Jordans, like, the first Air Jordans came out. If I remember correctly, they were, like, 90 or or $100. And my mom, no way paying for shoes that you're going to grow out of in a year. You know, like... Yeah, so any, like, extra stuff like that, like, my mom, yeah, I had food, I had a house, but any extra things that other kids where I lived might have gotten regular, I had to, like, do something. I worked at a Chinese restaurant when I was 14, and I sold weed on my little <laughs> scooter that I had. <laughs> I was just a hustler, you know, like, that. Yeah. I had to make some money, uh, extra money. Like I said, if th- those extra things, my parents wasn't going to get them for me, and when you're that young... How the fuck else are you going to get them, especially when your friends have them or, or whatnot, you know? Yeah. So that's fucked up. Oh, not fucked up. You just learned. Yeah, it's just it is what it is. Different. Right. I mean, I love my mommy. My, I got a great relationship. I got an older brother and sister. Um, You know, everything's yeah. cool in my family. You know, everybody's grown up. But yeah, you know, with my dad dying and all that stuff, that definitely at such a young age. And then, like I said, maybe my mom. <clears throat> making some bad decisions from there on out, you know, uh, definitely had a play out in, you know, well, she should have married this fucking rich guy. <laughs> I remember she was dating this rich guy. <laughs> His name was Mitch. Mitch was a good fucking dude. Should have married that guy. <laughs> Shout out to Mitch. Shout out to Mitch. <laughs> uh, well, where I was kind of going with that is like how you said, like, you were in like a neighborhood where you felt like you didn't belong, but leading into like hardcore, you know, that's a place where you feel like you belong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's absolutely. How you find it. And then absolutely. You know, it's almost like a, it's like your secret life like where you are. You don't feel welcome, but at a hardcore show is like I said, I met up. a lot of, I mean, Lenny, Lenny is like literally like he's my brother, you know, he's not my friend. That's how close that we are. I would have never met him if it wasn't for hardcore. Bunch of other people, you know, Jam. Me and Jam are great fucking friends, you know. But I never met Jam if if I didn't call him out at a hardcore show for being fucking rough with people in the crowd, not knowing he was a monster. Yeah, he's... and he was. I remember this story. It was uh, God, where was it? I think it was a place in Lincoln Park. The Alliance is playing, and uh, Jam's there, and he's fucking being Jam. I didn't know Jam at this point, but I knew his brother Eric. Eric played in Tough Call. Yep. <laughs> and it was brother Eric. You vendetta records? <laughs> no. Yeah. I no, I don't think we put out oh, okay. stuff. And uh you know, I I I called Jam out on stage. I'm like, yo, fucking you know, you motherfuckers wanna fight, go outside and fight, don't fight at the show, whatever I said, you know, not realizing Jam was, was Jam. I'll fight you, you know, bitch. <laughs> I get off stage and you know, Eric's like, Hey man, I want you to meet my brother. <laughs> <laughs> and he introduces shit. me to jam and i'm like what's up dude <laughs> you know <laughs> he was all cool he's like hey man i wouldn't be in dick blah blah this kid i'm like yeah yeah it's all good fucking are we friends 
<laughs> we're good. Yeah, me and Jam have been friends ever since. But That's yeah, you, you're right. I mean, I went on a lot of good people. <clears throat> felt like I belonged. Even if I didn't necessarily felt like I belong, I felt like I was there with other people that felt like they didn't belong either, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure it does. I get it. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's hard to explain to people nowadays, like, what hardcore... I always say, you know, like, I learned a lot of good values from hardcore that I apply to my everyday life. I mean from training and fighting like that i've applied to to that you yeah. know um like the muay thai stuff in the in the thailand time like i mean that's that's stuff that i don't think if i had the the mental morals that i had i don't know if i would have made it through of the just fuck it push forward fuck it push forward it's hard well oh well it's supposed to be hard suck it up you know like yeah yeah we learn a lot of that just from the fucking lyrics of like yeah. hardcore bands. and i always say it's so cliche to to be like that you know yeah. that hardcore but fuck it you know i mean it's only cliche if it's cliche Unless you know it means what i'm something, saying if it means, it means something. something and you can pull something from that and better yourself or or better your life from hardcore lyrics fucking good for you i mean straight edge friends you know how many straight edge friends i have that are still straight edge to this day in our fucking 40s and i'm like dude awesome for you you know what i'm saying because yeah, that's a like really got to commit to that it's a commitment you man. know that's a commitment as a choice and you for make whatever for reason they've committed to do that that's i said it's always with it man you know and it wasn't just so admir- and i think admirable. a lot of those people might not even have had that to cling on to if it wasn't for that music how are you going to find out about straight edge if it wasn't for hardcore you yeah know? how are you going to find out about veganism or animal rights if that's your thing that maybe turns you into a 30-year fucking vegan and maybe you educated however many other people you educated throughout your lifetimes on that topic as well, whatever that topic is, you know, because of this music, you know, so. Yeah, with lots of values to take away. Yeah, especially if you're there for the right reasons, you know, and, and, you, and, and I think maybe during the right time, you know, now, I don't know. I don't know what those values are. I don't know what the, right. I don't know if it's yeah. the same. I know that, the, I know that the bands that are still doing it, that were doing it, it's the same. I don't know what new hardcore bands talk about, you know. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, you know what hey. I'm saying? Like I, I, ho- I hope it's whatever it's it is. There. I hope it's it's all there. Yeah, I hope, yeah. The, I hope the meat and potatoes is there. Yeah, you know? the core, yeah, the core values. I don't think that really ever, really ever goes away. But um, you know, lots of new bands like uh, Never Ending Game. Are you familiar with them or no? They're from Detroit. Yeah, you fucking love them, man. Cool. They're like one of the I love. I mean, again, like I said, I'm jaded, but I'll always check stuff out. Oh yeah, you know, no, they're like they're up there, man. Uh, cool, fucking doing it. I don't, we can't really. You know, they're just straight Detroit hardcore. Got some hip hop feel. I I guarantee you'd like them. Tell me, remind me afterwards, and I'll, yeah, I'll check it out. They had a new album, fucking 2019. Uh, what's it called? I don't even know what the fuck it's called, but it's it's the best. It's like ten songs. Cool. Um. Who else? A hush. That's more of like a negative approach type band. Like I like the punk roots. Just some, you know, the younger people, like uh, twenty five to thirty. It's you good. know, hey. So Somebody they're still carrying the torch. Yeah. Like they're Somebody's still doing it, yeah. man. Like I don't know when's the last time you've been like before the. I see the you last, at Madball. Yeah, I was just gonna say there. the last show I think I went to was that Madball Magic Stick show. Yep. With the unseen. No, uh, a Lars Frederick. Lars other band. Yeah, yeah. what was that? Who's the band? I don't know. It's not uh, the bastards. No, 
uh, I don't know. That's more anyway, like punk yeah. shit. But yeah. But still, uh, the kids at that place, uh, the sanctuary, never been there yet. And you know More what? Hamtramck. I, I Not, was supposed to go see Marauder, I think, at the Sanctuary. Yeah. They were like February or something before the shit all it shut was, down. It, it, the show didn't happen. Okay. I'm good friends with George from Marauder. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I still don't know what happened. I know. I think they like just kind of took off after the second leg of the tour and they didn't do Detroit and a, a bunch of other shit. I don't know if it was members or something happened or whatnot. But Fucking shit hit the fan and nothing else can be. But, um, Still, like, kids go hard. There's still a lot of kids, you know, even for uh, the local bands. Like, I can't even tell you who I see. I've seen the uh, Terror there at the Sanctuary. I think it's like 350 capacity. And they can pack out 350 people. Oh, absolutely. I say that's a good fucking show. Yeah, sure. You know, but. Really uh, good. Ooh, like, even that fucking Mad Ball, that was a Sunday night. It was pretty dead. It was, it was pretty... pretty dead. I went with my girl, who is um, newer to hardcore, you know. And, um, you know, I was telling, I was like, this is one of my favorite bands. I've been listening to these guys forever. And she really liked the show. Um, again, even the people, you know, cause I'm, I was there and ran into a lot of people and she's like, everyone seems really cool. I'm like, yeah, you know? Yeah. Ooh, the mosh isn't as hard. I'll be honest. I want to say is, I don't know if the mosh is even there. I mean, I, I it put, is. let me say this. I was watching the, 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 the show with Joe. Oh um, yeah. Hardcore Joe. Uh huh. I mean, me and Joe might not even know who I am anymore. You know, the last time I seen Joe was literally Mr. Muggs, ninth or two thousand three or four. I don't know if I booked a show or not, but it was Punishment uh, when Black Mike was in the band. And again, I remember hearing Joe talk about like how the dancing. We were talking about the dancing and stuff, and, and how like in Philly, was, yeah, yeah, the crossover. Man, when those Philly kids came to Detroit. I put it this way, Joe talked about a show, Dysphoria, with Cold as Life, the first time he came over, I think, to Detroit as a roadie. Yeah. I want to say Cast and Fire might have played that show, too, or Dogs of War, I don't remember, but I was there with, like, Cast and Fire, Dogs of War, because right. I was friends with, and, like, him, and Black Mike, and this other dude, I think, that played in Punishment, too, they were wild, man. They were, like, the first kids that I seen, even, I mean, I seen the newer stuff in Detroit. But those guys, and I want to say the Windsor kids, took that crazy fucking spin kick shit to, like, the next level. <laughs> like, you'd sit, watch, go to Face Down shows, man, all those Windsor kids, I, I got to give it to them, that new style, Windsor, and then I remember Joe and the Philly kids, you know, really, really fucking, pushing that. Fucking the shit up. Yeah, dude, they were wild, man. I yeah. mean, like, you know, fucking three spin kick fucking shit, and, like, I was like, you motherfuckers are gymnasts, <laughs> not hardcore kids. Like, <laughs> yeah. Fucking action movies and shit. Y'all wearing like gym shorts and like Nikes, like <laughs> like getting ready, getting ready to mosh. Yeah, you know, like lacing up headbands on, shoes, <laughs> fucking getting limber and stretching out and shit. Like, you guys take this shit serious. Bro. Oh yeah, goddamn competition. Yeah, it got here. fucking fucking insane though. A lot of the shows though, like people like. They get like dropped like at shows, like especially the Alliance is always fucking crazy for you guys, especially like Alvin's and you know. Uh, I remember you guys played up here in Lincoln Park at Floyd's Bar. I think you played with like uh, CDC and uh, Floyd's Bar. Wow, all my blood. CDC, yeah, yeah, and uh, I just remember like it was like a basement of a bar. Like couldn't even fit like maybe hundred people. Yeah, down I think there. You, you know what? I think that's the show I was talking about. Oh, like, Jam. If it okay. wasn't that show, it was that place. Yeah, in the now basement. that you said it was a basement uh-huh. in Lincoln Park. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah There's a few shows there. I think it was a book by, I remember, uh, Justin Pullum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. That was those. the same spot, yeah. Just in case. Promotions is what it was. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that shit. But um, I don't even know where I was going with that. We were talking, oh, oh yeah, like hard mosh and shit. But uh, the kids, though, are a lot more friendly. They only punch their friends, it seems, you know. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We hit somebody that doesn't want to be hit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what was it? You guys had a shirt, mosh or be moshed, or the hoodie. <laughs> yeah, don't don't stand around, right? I mean, again, I get it, man. You're standing in the back, and some fucking idiot just comes up and slams you. Dude, oh yeah, that's right through the crowd, yeah, like, yeah, hitting, yeah. like five, six people deep. You know, yeah. but you're at a hardcore punk show, whatever, you know. And again, I'm not so into the fucking. I don't know what I don't know what this shit is, dude. People like oh, jump God, over God. people and like punch people. I don't know if they're actually punching people. I don't know if it's like a cool thing to do. But motherfucker, like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I'm sitting fucking back here, dude, and you fucking jump over six people to try and punch me, we're gonna have problems, dude. Other than that, if you're around there, oh yeah, stage, side of the stage, edge of the pit, whatever, man, like it's your you know, problem. Know what's going on? You know, that's yeah, all. Just watch out. Yeah, and even then, I don't, I don't promote any fucking buddy just running up and hitting people like no. that. You guys are pussies, you know. Like that's, I, I mean, that's something I was always pretty vocal about. Oh yeah, I, th- I thought yeah, you know I you guys want to fight, out. fucking fight, dude. You know, but don't 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 fight like six on one because you think you're tough. You know, with yeah. this, the, it it isn't cold as lifetimes back then. Where, yeah, you might have to stomp fucking a dude out because you don't know. These are all these were at this time, the barrier or not the I keep saying barrier live the barrier dead era yeah. of Alvin's and a lot of that stuff. I mean, these are all like. Middle upper class suburban kids, dude, that you think you're being cool, you know, you're not, you know, go fucking fight outside, fight one on one. That's cool. You know, that's tough. Whatever. (laughs) I agree with you, but I was on the fucking wrong side of that, you know, like way back in those days. I was the fucking asshole. And like I said it before, but you know, live and you learn, you grow up. Like I just wouldn't want that happening to my son. It's, It's like dumb shit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Or like, uh, or like until don't a, get me wrong, I, I'm until all until you get humble though. Like people get humble. I'm you know, all for street justice, pit sure. justice. If somebody does something that's out of hand, it should be met with the same amount of force or or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, imagine like if that was your kid, dude, that like oh. went to like a hate breed show and fun, just got yeah. his fucking head split open for no reason. Because some asshole with brass knuckles was just running around hitting people, dude. You know, know. what I'm saying? For sure. I, like I, it fucking makes me like boil inside, like <clears throat> the dumb shit. You know, it's all we had a hardcore show. It's very aggressive. Whatever, but it happens. happens yeah, but. yeah. But like you said, if it's, a, it's your kid, whatever. Um, what are we talking about? Oh yeah, let's go on to uh after the alliance. So you started. Did you move to Calgary for the new thing, or did you move there for a different reason? Like mm. I thought it was for hip hop. I don't know why you left. I knew some shit was over. No, and my ex wife was Canadian, so oh, I moved okay. there because she was Canadian. Um, and then I actually met Cole, who is the producer of hip hop. Uh, so I was in Canada for well, let's see, I was in Canada for about a year and a half. I went to Thailand. Uh, for about six or six months or so, and then uh, I moved back home, but I was living in Windsor, and it was a terror show at the Magic Stick, and a band called Gravemaker. Do you remember that band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're from Canada. Yeah. No, no? they're from Seattle. I think. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, f- um, up there, I guess. 
but they opened up and I'm outside. It's summertime, I believe. And I don't know. I don't even remember how it came up, but something about hip hop and something about Canada. And he was like loading up. Cole was loading up a van. And he said, you from Calgary? And I said, no, I'm from here, but I live there and I'm moving back, you know, at the end of summer. Um, and he said something about hip hop and he was like, I make beats. And I was like, wow, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, I live in Calgary. And I'm, I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I play guitar and grave maker. So he just happened to be on tour with terror playing Detroit. And I was outside and we just, we met like that. Super weird. Shit. We didn't even meet in Canada. Yeah. So he's like, I'm on tour for like another month, but you know, when I'm home, I'll get a hold of you and we should link up and, and do something. And fucking that was 2010. The rest is history, you know? Fuck yeah. So you were, uh, you lived in Calgary when you went to fucking Thailand or were you? Yeah. Yeah. I lived for in six months. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing pictures of you on like a boat and shit. Like I just remember that a long time ago. Yeah. So yeah. I lived in Canada for probably about a year and a half. And uh, I was training Thai boxing like maybe about like three or four years tops. I I just started training Thai boxing when I left. Yeah, about two years before I left here. Yeah, so like two thousand five, like jam and shit. Jam, yep. Uh, me, Jam, Scotty Hughes. We were a couple guys that took it pretty serious. Um, I had a couple fights here. Well, I had a couple fights while I was living here that were in Canada because um, it just wasn't a lot at that time. I mean, there was nothing going over here for Muay Thai, you know, in Michigan. Um, so I had a couple fights in Canada and like Kitchener, Waterloo, Toronto and stuff like that. And then I got married and moved out to Calgary, which um, I thought was going to be like bad for my Thai boxing because it's something like I just found at like 25, you know. Yeah. Um, but it ended up being like the best thing for me. The, the you know, the Muay Thai out in Western Canada was very high level. Yeah. Very high level. There was, I first started training with a guy named Mike Miles out there. Um, whose history on him is, he kind of looks like Chuck Norris. It's funny. Older dude, um, <laughs> came up in the seventies and eighties kickboxing, you know, like, uh, what we call like pants fighting. You okay. know, like the kickboxing where they wear like the long pants. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a big difference between that and Muay Thai, you know. So, you know, he kind of came up doing that and, and then, you know, was a pioneer in Western Canada as far as like realizing that like Thai boxing is the is the mecca, is the ultimate, you know. So started going to Thailand, started bringing what he learned back to Canada and competing and crushing dudes and, you know, made a name for himself. So I started training with him. Um and it was hard. It was hard with him because I, I, I stepped into a top level Muay Thai school, um, with a stable of professional and amateur male and female fighters. So I was like very, very fucking low on the pecking order. Oh, damn. Yeah. I remember when I got there, he literally crushed me. He He's like, what like, do you got? <laughs> yeah. Like, he was oh, like, shit. he was like, <laughs> you know, uh, you fought, yeah, blah, blah, you win this one, yeah, won this one, lost that one, blah, okay, who'd you, who'd you train with, told him, told him my time, uh, you know, and I started training, and I remember the first thing he told me, he's like, I don't fear your right hand, <laughs> I was like, damn, dude, literally made me, like, relearn how to throw a cross, 
Shit. you know, um, trained with him for about nine months, finally got a fucking fight with him. And, uh, I lost a split decision. Ah. Uh, if anybody knows anything about fighting split decisions are fucking can't get any fucking closer. I would have said I won. He said he won. One judge said he won. The other said I won. You three judges. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and like literally after that, he fucking just was like, pushed me off to the corner, you know, kind of didn't really give me no attention. I kept training. I was like, okay, well, like I, like I've said before, I got to show this dude. I got to show this dude. I'm serious. I got to show him that, you know, you're improving, that I'm improving and I'm doing good. <clears throat> but then like right after that, I ended up going to Thailand. So I didn't have another fight with him. Um, went to Thailand, uh, spent like a little over six months there. That's crazy. How did you live there? Like, it looks like you're training. I've seen a video of you. It looks like you're training like a fucking village. Yeah. Yeah. The first place I trained was, uh, it was called Sorbor Pin. And it was in, it was in Bangkok, but it was about 20 minutes outside of the craziness of Bangkok. Mm-hmm. Like you see in fucking the hangover and oh, shit. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. the, uh, there's a, there's a street down there. It's called Kosan Road. I mean, it's a big street, long, windy, it, you know. That's where you're seeing all that stuff, you know. That's like any time of the day, night, you can get anything you want from pussy to beer to food, anything, you know. I mean, it's just nonstop. It doesn't stop. It's like an Um, intense Vegas, but yeah, it is way crazy. But wait, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I never been to Vegas, so I don't know. One place I've never been to is Vegas. I mean, like Fremont Street or something. From what I've seen, and like from what I've seen, like the mockery of of. You know, from the movies, and like oh, I yeah. said, the, the 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 Hangover Two alone was all about them being in Bangkok and how fucking crazy it was, and it is like that. <laughs> I love that fucking shit. So I trained about twenty minutes outside of the city, and there was uh, yeah, it was like in like a village. So I remember when I was walking because it was like from the main road to the actual place I was staying was a good half mile walk. Um, from the main main road where the bus would drop you off and you had to either take a, um, what they call like a motorbike taxi where like you just hop on the back of a motorbike <laughs> for Shit. about no, buy, no helmet, nothing. Are we by yourself? I was just my ex-wife. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, she went with you. All right. Um, so you either hop on a motorbike for, it was about two miles and then they would drop you off at the street. And then from there you'd have to walk about a half mile through the jungle to get to this, uh, um, where, where the camp was, they used to always say like, when you're walking, don't let the branches of the trees like rush past you, because there's these little green snakes and they're the most deadliest snakes, and that's like a uh. indicator that like prey is there, you know. Oh, so shit. yeah, dude, it was it was wild. That's I mean, living there. I remember waking up. So I six months is a long time. Though. Yeah. So f- just ugh, trying to wrap my head around six months and yeah, it was October till. March, February, March, yeah. Always hot as fuck. Uh, yeah, dude, it was so hot. And I went there in what they call the off season, like our winter, yeah. you know, our colder months, and it was excruciating hot. So the first place I trained at, I trained for seven weeks, almost two months straight, uh, six days a week, uh, two training sessions a day. You woke up at five in the morning. Well, how am I make this right? Five to six. So, no, it was, so I woke up at five and you ran from six to seven, you ran a 5k or you had about an hour. You used to take about five, 10 minutes, walk to where we would run. We would run for about 30, 40 minutes, 
another five, ten minutes to walk back to the gym. And then you start your morning training session from seven to nine. <laughs> oh, shit. Yep. And then you would eat breakfast at ten in the morning. And then, I mean, by that that point, I've already done like three hours of hard training in the sun. You, you would run that early because that was the coolest part of the day, you know, to run at. And then you would eat breakfast at 10. And then you had some time to pretty much do whatever you wanted to do. I used to take a nap, you know, because right. of waking up that early and then like literally like just pushing to exertion, eating. And I would fall back asleep for an hour or two, wake up at 1, one thirty. Go out to the little gazebo thing, fucking listen to some music, and then you would train again from three to five. And three to five was considered the harder session. That's when we would spar. Um, that's when every went. So some of the hardest I've ever been. I've lost fights in the ring. I've won some. I've lost some. I've lost more than I've won. But in Thai boxing, it's always about more about your experience you'll never see like Thai boxers asking what their records are you see them more asking how many fights have you had you uh, know? Yeah, yeah yeah and it's when you, you see the whole like you know you look at these these Thai guys records and they're 180 180 fights, fights yeah. 47 losses I mean you look at somebody with 47 <laughs> losses and you'd be like wow dude you got a lot of fucking losses but you've got a fucking 180 you know I mean yeah, yeah there's a big ratio yeah there. there's a big ratio and like I said it was it's more about Thai boxing especially you take the North American stigma and ego out of like win, 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 win. Of course, everybody wants to win. <clears throat> but in Thai boxing, it was more about how well you fought. You know, you could lose and get more respect in the winner from your peers and everybody else if you fought fucking really hard, you know. Um, and the point I was getting at is some of the hardest competition, win or there was no winning or losing, it was on Wednesdays. We'd have like what's called gym fights, which, you know, in, in Thailand, these guys are doing this for a living, you know, so they're fighting two or three times a month, you know, and they're fighting for peanuts, you know, they're fighting for you know, a thousand baht, which is like 30 bucks, Fuck, you know, or, or whatever. And, and, and if they're staying at the gym, like, you know, 20, 30% of that's all already going to the gym and, you know, uh, the betting in Thailand is a very big thing, you know. A lot of people watching those fights. A lot of people. Thailand, yeah. it, Thai boxing. Everyone's betting too. Everybody's right? betting. And Thai boxing in in Thailand is like baseball here. You Fuck. can go on Sunday. It was channel, I think it was channel two. Channel two. Live Thai boxing fights every Sunday on the TV. Just like regular TV. The same yeah. way we would show, I don't know, a baseball game or something. It's mm -hmm. for free. Everybody's watching it on Sunday at their home with their kids or whatever. You know, it's just Damn. you literally you'll be walking and in, instead of soccer is big over there, too. So if the kids aren't playing soccer, they're they're imitate boxing and stuff. You know, 10 year olds That's on the yard crazy. kicking each other and shit. And, oh, yeah. They blast know. each other. So, like, I, you know, um, some of the hardest competition I've had in general was the Wednesday night gym fights because it would be guys from gyms that, that obviously that we were cool with or that, you know, there was no competition or whatnot with or right. anything. It's all experience. Yeah. And I mean, these guys, these are Thai guys. You know, I'm what's... They've been doing it since they're fucking babies. Yeah, I'm what's called over there a phalang. Phalang means like foreigner. Okay. So it doesn't matter if you're white, black, uh, Russian, fucking Puerto Rican, you're phalang. You're not Thai. If you're not Thai, <laughs> you're phalang. Yeah. You know? So these guys are guys that are... 
fighters uh, every week, every other week, you know, and they would come over. You know, sometimes we would go to their gyms and it would be Wednesday because they were fighting on the weekends. And it would be like the last hard sparring session. But sparring is a very loose word to to describe Thai boxing in Thailand, even when you're supposed to be sparring. Oh, it's still like very, 80, 90%. Dude, you, you, could get knock, you could get knocked out if you're not on your shit. Well, defending 100%. Yourself, defending yourself. Yeah. Now, nobody's trying to, but, per se. Well, well, you're just pushing but, yourself to the limit. But sometimes it's just huh? that it's a, you don't have to hit somebody hard to knock them out. You hit them in that right spot. And they're not defending and then jaws there, whatever it is. And, you know, we, they went hard because it was the last time you're going to go hard before you're fighting in a couple days, you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the first two months was there. Um, and we went to the islands, you know, like down south with all the uh, tropical shit. Yeah, yeah, The beach, yeah. that movie, the beach and shit. Mm-hmm. And went down there for three weeks, almost four. Uh, and then I went up to Chiang Mai, which is up north Thailand. And I trained at uh, Lex Fet Muay Thai for about five weeks. And then I went back to Bangkok and trained there for another month before I, before I came home. <clears throat> was this like a, like, how'd you plan that? Like you just said, I'm going to go there and just whatever happens, happens. Or did you plan to hit all these, I had no all idea these gyms? where I was going to train or like, uh, I mean, when we went, we went with money saved. Yeah. Passport stamped for three months. I had to leave once and go into Burma. Which was crazy to renew my passport, you know. Um, like, if anybody doesn't know, it's called Myanmar now, but it used to be Burma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if anybody, if anybody ever seen the last Rambo, not the last shitty one, <laughs> but the one right before that, yeah, where uh, I think those like refugees go over, they go to Thailand to try and help. That that's where they're at is Burma. No you know, shit. Burma's still a really fucked up place. Um, but yeah, I didn't know where I was going to train at. I didn't have anything set up. I didn't like talk to anybody on the phone beforehand. I just kind of, I did a little bit of research. Um, and especially at that time, even though it was, I mean, that was, let's see, that was 11 years ago, 10, 11 years ago. I mean, the, the internet's grown so much in that period of time that even then there was only so much I could figure out. Oh yeah. Without just going over there and you know getting into it, so yeah, like all the YouTube videos weren't there even that long ago. Like you barely find. Them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the videos that I have, I remember I bought a little camcorder thing, a little handheld one that was, and I think HD was like brand new at that time. <laughs> so you're paying top for yeah, it anyway. Yeah, I mean, there was no phones. It was that was it. You know, that's so. crazy. How many fights do you think you had over there? Like, well, not a record, but I mean, like the, like those gym Wednesday? fights and stuff. Yeah, every yeah, Wednesday man. for like. The, it, it, that was at the Soyvor the Soyvor Pin place in Bangkok. So I mean, every Wednesday for six seven weeks, you know, like I said, those Wednesdays were. Put it this way: I might have had some some tougher fights mentally, like actual fights, mm-hmm. but competition, I don't. And and again, I've and it, and it, I've lost fights in the ring that I say. Some of these, um gym fights were way harder you know what i'm saying and i didn't like per se lose like i didn't get knocked out or anything yeah. you know what I'm, I'm still standing at the end of it but it was like <laughs> holy fuck but then i mean and this is just you know it's it's like with anything and it's like how we were talking earlier about like these values that you take from hardcore and at least the values i took was like i said like like i said man fucking marauder life is pain you know don't think it owes you anything 
earth mover shit you know like i mean i could quote fucking hardcore lyrics all day yeah but i mean if you really if you really believe that shit and then you have a you I mean you could have a real fucking negative outlook on that too and be like oh life is pain fucking what's the sense or whatever you know people yeah. turned all kinds of crazy shit i had to have more of a, a positive outlook and was like look nobody's giving me shit i gotta fucking fight for it you know uh, life is hard so what no one said it was gonna be easy like i have a really like fucking clint eastwood type of outlook on shit like it's a good way to look out though and that's what i'm saying like even though i'd be beat up dude you know i, I put it this way if there was a winner i didn't win one of these fucking uh fight nights with these guys <laughs> you know what i'm saying but the fact that i got some i got i got some good fucking shots into where the this is when you know when the thai guys come af, up to you afterwards and they say things like, ah, tricky falang, tricky falang. <laughs> and it mean like, I'm tricky for a, a white dude who's not supposed to know Muay Thai. I mean, it could, because I I would tag him with a couple things. Or I'd hit him and they'd step back and they'd, they'd right. smile. Oh, you got me, and they'd bitch. give it right back to you. <laughs> but th- that's just that, it's that respect and that exchange for of sure. the sport and the thing. Like, nice, 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 yeah. you know. Um yeah, so there's a lot of white dudes there too, or you think a lot of people that would go there to train, you know? If you're well, not too- that's kind of what I was getting into. I'll, I'll roll right into that next about like the respect from the ties is means more than winning or losing for sure. Um, because up until a certain point, we weren't allowed to go over there and train. There's a movie, it's called Choke D, which means good luck in Thai. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not like really mainstream, it might be kind of harder to find. But it's about a, f- a French fighter. His name's uh, Dida Diafat. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Like D-I-D-A, and it's French, so it's D-I-F-I-A-T or something. Diafat, whatever. Again, whatever. It's a French fighter uh, named Dida or Dida. If you typed in French Thai boxer mm-hmm. Dida, you, you, he would come up. He's right. very famous. Made a movie a long time ago. It's called Choke D, and it's about his life, about how he was... Uh, he lived in France, getting in all kinds of trouble, just got out of prison or jail, whatever it was. He did, you know, a couple months and got out. And, you know, it was just he was going to fall right back into his own shit. And his grandma sends gives him a one-way ticket to, Thai, or to uh, Thailand because while he was in there, he came across this dude. Now, I don't know how much of this part of the story is true. I'd like to think it is because I don't know why, how he would get into it. But while he was in prison, he met this other French dude who had spent time in Thai, uh, Thailand and learned how to Thai box. And he showed him because the French dude in the movie seen him get into some prison fights and he's like, eh, you're not bad. You can fight okay, but you really don't know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. You know, and he like hits him with his elbow and he's like, what the fuck was that? He's like, that's my elbow. You didn't even see where it came from, did you? He's like, no. So he kind of teaches him how to fight a little bit in prison and he's like, hey, you got to get, you got to change your life. You know, you got to, you got, you could do something really good, you know. So his grandma saves up some money, gives him a one-way ticket to Thailand. He goes over there. This is in the 80s, you know, early 80s, not late 70s. I don't know exact year, but judging by uh, quality, what people are wearing and shit like that, you know, stuff like that. Um, and just the time frame. So he goes to this gym. He literally sits outside the gym doors for a month, a month, while every morning at five in the morning, the gates open, all the Thai by. Thai guys come out stretching, start running. He goes running with them. As soon as he comes back to the gate, they won't let him in. Stops, they close the gate because he's, you're not allowed in. You're American. You don't got the heart. You're going to quit. Americans are fat and lazy. 
you can't do Thai boxing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't do Muay Thai. Um, so for a long time, Americans were not even allowed to train in Thailand, you know. Now, again, we're talking, I'm sure the stigma broke around that time, late huh. 70s, early 80s. And given, you know, like I said, Mike Miles, when he was going out there and stuff, I'm sure he was probably one of the first two to, you know, and I'm sure there probably was still a lot of gyms that still wouldn't train Americans, you know, and then there, and there, there happened to be some that would. And I don't even want to say Americans because, like I said, it was Falang. If you were not Thai, you know. Basically not welcome. You're not welcome. Shit. You don't have the heart for this. And it wasn't until I forgot what it was in the movie. He did something in the movie. I think he helped somebody or something. They finally let him in. And when they let him in, they let him clean the dishes, sweep the mat. <laughs> it wasn't even to train yet. Yeah, it's really, it was really, like, symbolic. And it was very uh, old school, man. You know, An interesting movie. Yeah, it's a very good movie. Even if you're not into Thai boxing, it's a, it's a good movie about... <laughs> Just fucking work, work, work ethic. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> dude. Yep. Nice. So, <clears throat> so how many years since? So, like ten years since you went there. Like, have you been like, training constantly, or like on and off here and there? Um, I stopped fighting at thirty-three. Yeah. Uh, damn. Now I have to tell you how old I am. I'm forty-two now. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't fought in like nine years. Uh, but since then, when I stopped fighting, I started teaching at the gym. Um, so I, I have to mention this. I, I'm probably nobody from Canada that, that's listening, but so I started off with Mike Miles, went to Thailand. I told you kind of, he just didn't really give me a lot of attention while I was there. His golden boy was a guy named Trevor Smandich. Um, and while I left him and Mike had a bit of a falling out, uh, Trevor has been with Mike since he was 17 years old. And I mean, he was with Mike for a long time. I don't really want to get into the logistics, but, you know, Mike really didn't want to let him spread his wings and go do his own thing. There was no reason why he shouldn't have. So during the time I was in Thailand, Trevor had left Mike and opened his own gym. So when I got back from Thailand, um, again, reinvigorated and wanting to keep fighting, um, I started training with Trevor and his brother, Nate Smandich. Uh, and that was called Team Smandich Muay Thai in Calgary. Nice. Uh, you can look that up too. Uh, and I will say Trevor is, it was, is, was my mentor. You know, he's the guy that really was like, you got some raw talent. You really put some time into me. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. To, to, to develop me as a better fighter. Um, so when I was done, I started working for him like right off the bat. He was like, dude, you should start teaching classes and blah 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 and then i started doing personals and then i started like helping corner fighters and That's getting cool. fighters ready and stuff like that so it's really cool and one way or the other i've pretty much been doing that uh since then on and off yeah uh, so, so um, i know there's not like belts in like muay thai like is it by how do they is it like ranks like is it like armbands or some shit I know? Or is that just like Americanized? That's kind of an Americanized yeah, yeah. thing. I've asked, because, again, I don't want to, there's no reason saying names, but there is a school over here in, in, in Michigan that does armbands. Uh, and as far as I know, in my 16 years of Thai boxing and time in Thailand, and I mean, I spent time with monks over there, and it, it, as far as I know about the culture and stuff, the armbands were meant for decoration and also um, almost like a peacock. The more 
stuff you had on you. Yeah. The more experienced, experienced, and you, and you were almost like a, a an the Indian bragging. chief's yeah. head head dress. Okay. The bigger it was, the you know. So when you seen the Thai guys with all the flowers here and the the armbands and the Mong Kong around the head, they all have some specific meaning spiritually. But I've never heard of it in a ranking system until I came uh, and, and seen this American school that was doing that. Yeah. And maybe they're using that as a way. Sure they are. But as far as I know, there's no – you can you – either, you either fight or you don't or you have and you don't. Uh, the only real um, status is the status of crew, which means teacher. Or the status of Ajarn, which means like the head of the school. Okay. You know? so, so I so have I have my level. crew status, you know, which mm-hmm. means like I'm certified to teach okay. this style of Muay Thai. Yeah, that's like yeah. there's not like a black belt. Like, so anybody like just can't teach. You probably have to be certified from somebody, right? Well, like, again, I mean. Well, there's like federations know, for like yeah, karate I mean, I know and taekwondo of, and shit. I plenty of people that might not have their, te- their like crew certificate, but have had 25 fucking fights. Now, who are you going to go to? the highest level, regardless. You're going to go to this dude who may have never fought in his life, but he has the certificate? Or are you going to go to this guy who doesn't have the certificate, exactly. but it's got... I don't care if he's lost 20 of those 25 fights. You got some fucking experience, and you got some years, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, it's it's definitely not like a traditional belt system whatsoever. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's... No. It's one of the only ones. It's almost like boxing. Like boxing, you either... You could box. You could train. You train, you either oh, fight or yeah. you don't, or you did fight, and you, maybe you don't anymore, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, there's no belts in fucking yeah, boxing, yeah, right? Yeah. Unless you're like championship belt, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. same thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's what it is, you know. Like, you know, again, now if this guy that, like I said, doesn't have a crew, whether he lost some or won them, and he's got all this experience, he might have two amateur belts and fucking, I'm going to go train with this guy, you know, because oh, yeah. he's been there, he's been through the thick and thin, you know, as long as he knows how to, Teach me how to tie box. I know he's got the experience, you know. I know he's been there. I know that when he's telling me this shit, you know, it's because he's like, hey, I, I got knocked out by this or whatever. I know, you know, that this is how you do. I don't care if fucking Joe Smo says to do it this way, who's never been in a fight and has never fucking tried to see if this this th- way actually works. I can tell you it does or doesn't because I've been there, you know. That's who I'm going to train with. Yeah, that makes so. sense. You completely, you know. It's... Now, obviously, I'd like to find that dude who's, like, at the top of the food chain, too, that's got all the belts in the world or whatnot. But, I mean, really what it comes down to for me would be experience. Like, you know, what? how long you been doing this? What have you got? Where, you know, yeah. that's what I want to know. I mean, the first five minutes of... Of meetings, you kind of tell around, that. You yeah. can tell. And you know that in general with people. You know if somebody's bullshitting you within a couple minutes of them talking or... If yeah, especially about legit. something specific. Especially about something specific. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in total, yeah, sixteen years. I've been, I've been since I started. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. And now you're you, uh, now you're doing some uh, training. I seen you post something that said you are doing um, a striking coach. Yeah, well, Muay Thai. Yeah. Uh, striking at uh, Gracie Baja in Livonia, which is like a Gracie uh, Jiu Jitsu Brazilian Jiu Jitsu school. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I 
I just started it, uh, meaning like it's literally like uh, January was the first month. Okay. Um, they're a new school that opened like right before the pandemic, like literally oh, right before the pandemic. They got hit. Um, and it's just been like the diehards that has been keeping the place open. The people that are like, we won't get into the whole fucking COVID and uh, all that shit or you know anybody's views on it. But we're training, yeah. yeah, people that are like, you know what, fuck this, dude. I'm keeping training. Uh, take care of myself. Well, it's a lot of people's mental health and shit. Absolutely, they, like they I have said, to. they have to. Yeah. So I mean, but now again, you know, everything's lifted again, and for now. you know, for now, the curtains are off the windows. And we're open for business <laughs> yeah. publicly. You know, we go uh, to a restaurant. Holy shit. Yeah. Right. I'm supposed to go somewhere for lunch today. It's been since. Before the whole shit, man. I went to Ohio a couple times. Just Did to, you go just, just to, to go? Just to yeah, I hear you. Man, yeah. No, I hear you. Like, you know, some people like to. And I was like, let's go out to eat somewhere. Like, you Ohio know, it is. Fuck, I'm 45 man. minutes away. Who gives a fuck? Especially if you got a kid or something, dude. Just to, you know, so you don't go crazy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. They were I mean, somewhere to sit here. Like, we're just going out, have a couple drinks, whatever. And Like I said, without getting into a huge argument, you know, like, I mean, is COVID going to get you if you're sitting down or standing up? Does it really fucking matter? You know? Really. But whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, live life anyway. <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, no. What else you got for me, bro? I, I don't know. Where we at? We talked about the whole. Talked about some training. We talked about some old hardcore stuff. Suicide kids. Yeah, we can talk yeah, about some suicide. Yeah. You know what I want to talk about? I want to. I want to. I want to talk about GI Joes. G.I. Joe's? For for a little bit, yeah, just for a really quick second. Okay. You probably don't know anything about G.I. Joe's because it's maybe a little bit I remember before the, your time. I remember seeing them as a child. I had some G.I. Joe's. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. But I wasn't like <laughs> crazy about them. I'm a, I'm a toy collector in general. Oh, shit. For yeah, real? yeah. I collect uh, G.I. Joe's is like my shit. Um, I'd have to say second, second and third tie is uh, Star Wars and horror shit, you know. Mainly yeah, old horror. horror shit like Creature from the Black Lagoon and uh, Frankenstein. But, I mean, also new stuff, too, like Michael Myers is, like, my favorite newer. You know, I, I call them the big three, like Freddy, Michael Myers, and, like, Jason. You know, Michael Myers is my favorite. So yeah. I got some really cool Michael Myers pieces. But G.I. Joes are the fucking shit. So, <laughs> right. anybody have any GI Joes out there? <laughs> Let me know. I'll trade you whatever, some cash. I want them bitches. I don't care if they're broke at the waist. I can fix them. Any old <laughs> no. vehicles? I know there's some old heads out there that's got some Joes because I'm 42 and I know like fucking probably Vinny or somebody's got like a some stash in his. Vinny. Mom's basement or something like <laughs> That's that. That's what comes to head to, to my mind because I know. I'm like, like who, who might have some Joes? Herb, the old bass player from the Alliance. Like, oh, man, like two winters ago, I traded him some green. You know, he's like, dude, I found all these old Joes in my mom's basement. He's like, they kind of look busted up and shit. And I'm like, I don't care. Let me come over. He had like a garbage bag full of Joes and like he had the blue Rattler plane and uh so i mean i fixed a lot of them i bought some o-rings and fixed them i bought some stuff offline to put them together and stuff never so. would have thought oh man i i'm telling you i have an awesome joe if you if you cared not not that you cared enough if you knew enough about it i would even like take a video when i get home and show you my shit because oh you are oh man okay well then okay Gotcha. Yeah. So I mean, I'll have to send you a video maybe later and let you show my room. Yeah. Yep. 
Awesome. I used to have a whole bunch like back in the day. I was into like the WWF like in like the mid nineties and late nineties. So like like Kane, The Undertaker. Who are those dudes off? Uh, Mosh and Thrasher. Remember those guys? Yeah, the headbangers, those fucking goofballs. See, I never got into, uh, I mean, my my wrestling um, 80s. I don't think I ever got past the 80s. Yeah, well, it just goes with age. We're different age, I lost so. interest. And again, you guys grew up in an age where um, wrestling was already known as, like, quote, unquote, fake. You know? Yeah. When I started watching. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> what? No, it's not fake. When I started watching wrestling was literally... No, I'm good, thanks. Was uh Junkyard Dog, Jimmy Superfly Snooker, uh Goddamn Iron Sheik, George the Animal Steel, I mean Hogan and you know those the guys. The giant was the giant. The right? giant, yeah. yeah, yeah, Andre the Giant. Yeah, yeah, Andre. Yeah, the that's giant, the only yeah. giant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's um, the only giant that matters. That's the only giant that matters. <laughs> so, like I grew up in that era and I mean when I was like six, seven, eighty five, eighty six and I'm watching wrestling, dude, it was still Everybody thought it was real, you know, and when it kind of broke that it wasn't, I think there was a lot of kids like my in my age that like really just lost interest in it. Uh, and I was one of those people that I just I used to be diehard. I mean, we used to jump off the couch, fucking flying elbows, me and my stepbrother and my brother and beating the shit out of each other, trying to imitate the TV I remember I begged my mom to go to WrestleMania in Detroit. She, you know, like oh. I said, we was just like, well, we can't afford that. I'm like, God damn it. So-and-so's <laughs> well, going. Everybody's going. You know? Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, and then once I found out it was fake, I just, I fell off, you know? <sighs> I always wanted to be a ninja, though. So that was something yeah. that. <laughs> well, you are now. With the martial arts thing, yeah. Like, I just, I remember watching uh, American Ninja against mm-hmm. some of these old 80 ones. Yeah. American Ninja was awesome. Uh just you know i remember so put it this this is funny just to hop back on tie boxing really quick i remember watching uh john claude van damme in kickboxer yeah uh which god i mean you got a fucking phone can you figure out what year that was it's got to be 87 88 kickboxer um anyway uh. again i'm i'm whatever age i am couldn't Good be more than 9 10 or 11 and in kickboxer Jean-Claude Van Damme's brother is an American kickboxer. 89. Okay, so 89. So I'm, uh, let's see. I'm 11 years old. So in that movie... I was uh, two. You're two. I'm 11. So in that movie, Jean-Claude Van Damme's brother is an American kickboxer, you know? Yeah. Um, And he's like 28 and 0, and he's unbeaten, and he's doing this interview, and they're like... uh. Uh, well, somebody says like, well, what about Thailand? And the guy's like, oh, what about it? And he's like, well, I heard that they invented the sport and they're the best at it, you know? And his brother's all arrogant. He's like, oh, kid, looks like we're going to Thailand. So they go over there and they get this Thai boxing fight. And while Jean-Claude Van Damme is like getting his brother some ice, he walks past this dude and he keeps hearing like, boom, like this thud. Boom. He's like, what the fuck? And he walks past it. And the, the Thai boxer in the movie, Tong Po, is like kicking this, you know, like one of these uh, pillars. Yeah. But it's made out of cement. The guy with the hair was all yeah, shaved. Yeah, yeah, all shaved ponytail. and had the ponytail <laughs> the in the back. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I love that shit. And yeah. he's kicking this fucking yeah. thing and like plaster's falling down. John Claude Van Damme's like this. He's like, oh, man. And he goes back to his brother. He's like, man, we got to call off the fight, man. And he's like, talking about. 
He's like, man, these fucking guys. He's like, they were using elbows. He's like, they were kicking the wall and the fucking plaster was falling down. <laughs> He's like, it's fucking crazy. And I remember watching that as a kid and being like, God damn, dude. Like, tie boxers are fucking crazy, right? And like, yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, and in the video or in the movie, uh, he ends up like kicking his brother and like crippling him. And, oh, yeah. And then Jocelyn Van Damme in like two weeks learns tie boxing and beats this dude. But, you know, that was a stick. That's a, that was a stigma. Of, of tie boxing you know and still is is that like wow these fuckers kick trees and they kick banana trees and fucking <laughs> baseball bats yeah yeah and fucking yeah, bricks yeah yeah that's crazy man your shins all fucked up mine are yeah absolutely yeah. god <laughs> yeah absolutely like, like you're as i sadistically laugh hard ass shit yeah, no, yeah. Like, it's not just pads over there um well again like that that whole kicking banana tree thing is uh mm. It was an older style. I did kick a banana yeah. tree when I was over there. <laughs> Traditional. You have just to, yeah. because I wanted to. I wanted to see how. Now, if anybody knows what a banana tree is, it's not like a fucking oak tree. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can kick an oak tree. I don't care. All day for 20 years, that thing ain't coming down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like a banana tree is uh, it's like bamboo-ish. To where it, I mean, it's hard, but there's give to it Fuck. as it goes, you know. So yeah, fuck yeah! I kicked one, and I want to see how it felt and how how hard you really have to kick it to get it to move and even come down. You it's know, hurt really bad. Oh yeah, yeah. But again, it's that it's that mind over matter. It doesn't hurt, and I'm not going to show that it hurts That's if it does. Sick. I just yeah, start hop- fucking yeah. hopping around crying. Yeah, like a little bitch. And I mean, well, like I said, that there's that. Now again, I have never seen anybody kick fucking concrete walls oh no without a padding around it mm-hmm. which still don't i mean th- that that <laughs> concrete's behind it all the padding's doing is not splitting open your your uh the skin on your leg but you're still kicking a a uh a force that's not going anywhere you know and the the whole the whole scientific part of that is now we did a bunch of crazy shit you know when we were over here me and jam you know, we'd always come up with fucking weird ideas. I remember the rolling pin, the rolling oh, pin shit, yeah. along the shins. Oh. I had a, a um, god damn it, broom handle that I that was cut off. That when I used to sit at home, I used to just crack up and down my shins while I was watching TV and stuff. Fuck. I mean, that stuff alone, along with just like kicking rock sand filled bags that are like at the bottom, is like goddamn concrete. You know. All that stuff. What you're doing is you're making small little uh, cracks in your bones. What would that? What's the technical fracture. word for that? Fracture. Yeah. Small little fracture in your bones by um, by beating it, you know, against something that isn't going to move. You know, whether it be concrete or something. You know, yeah. so you're 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 bruising it. You're you're causing these small fractures. And then what is bone made out of? Calcium. So you're letting it calcify over. And then you're doing it again, and then you like, calcify over, and then you're doing it again. You do it again. so it becomes harder and harder and harder and harder and harder each time, to where not only kicking you is going to hurt, you know, kicking me is going to hurt you. You know what I'm oh, saying? If if, if you end up if I what we call check shin. the kick, oh, and your shin hits my shin, mm. and I mean, if, and and what it really boils down to is who's got the most nerve endings left. If I've killed all my nerve endings off in my shin, I'm not feeling nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean. So even if I block your kick, 
it probably will hurt you more than it's going to hurt me unless you're just as a conditioned tie boxer or something like that. You know? For sure. I say, well, what hurts more, like checking a kick or or getting kicked in your calf? Oof, you know? Dude, it's it's a it's two totally different kind of pain. Yeah. The checking the kick is almost like that. You feel sick a little bit. You know. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> so fucked up. The, <laughs> you feel sick. The one that the taking that hard. I mean, they both can make you fucking feel. They both suck. I yeah. can't. You know, yeah. checking a kick I've doesn't. Never been doesn't kicked by the only thing the difference so. in checking a kick. Um, now I've had three fights, total full Muay Thai. Well, I mean, I've had amateur fights with Muay Thai rules, um, to where I might, you, I might have uh, shin guards on still. Oh, oh the yeah, other yeah, guy yeah. The didn't want to or whatnot. But um, I had three. My last three fights were full, full rules and no. Uh, Shin no, uh, no shin guards. The only no shin guards, no headgear. The only thing, because I was still amateur, I never went pro. Uh, but amateur was the only difference between amateur Muay Thai and pro Muay Thai, at least in the organization I was fighting in in Canada, were the elbow pads. So everything was the same. All the rules were the same. Five rounds, uh, anything goes. Is you know as far as like weapons, elbows, knees to the face, dumps, sweeps. Head kicks, every everything you can think of, elbows to the face. The only thing is, is in amateur they would be elbow pads, so you didn't get cut up, cut open. Oh, it still hurts like motherfucker. Oh, you get knocked out. <laughs> knocked out. You get knocked out for sure. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't slice you open. Yeah. And the only thing, the only the the like mentality behind that is, is like you're amateur. If you want to go pro, and you got fucking sliced up in your amateur career. You know, you you go pro, you're gonna get cut open really easy. Yeah, yeah, because if you guys funny. watch UFC, oh, you yeah, look I at the Diaz the Diaz brothers. Uh, they split wide open. That's because First they take. Hit, yeah. I mean, that's they take so much damage. Now, don't get me wrong; man. they're my favorite fighters. The Love the Diaz the brothers, dude. Brawlers, true fighter, fucking Gangsters fighter, too. shit, gangster <laughs> ass shit, dude. Yeah. They'll fucking they'll walk at you bloody as fuck and be like, "What's up, bitch? So I ain't pressure. done. What are yeah. you talking about? I'm right here. Yeah, but you think because I'm bleeding that I'm fucking hurt?" Like he said, Nate said, he's like, you sneeze on me, I bleed. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, that's fucked up because with the uh, BMF fight when he fought Jorge, like, he was still ready to go. Like, yeah. he, you know, Don't was get what... me wrong. Jorge was getting the best of him. Yeah. And I hated to see that. And I love I love Jorge, too. Same same type of dude. Game bred, fighter, fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I have, what I have uh, counted Nate out, not in the least. No, we still got those... two rounds or oh, three yeah. rounds. I don't know what was left. Yeah. This is the end of the third, they called it. But... It was towards the end of the third, yeah. Okay, so. yeah. Yeah, fucking gushing blood. Like that doesn't mean nothing, man. No, he but bleeds know. every time. Well, especially the fact that he just fought. Um, he fight before that. Uh, what's his name? Tie boxing, Duke Rufus's guy, uh, Anthony Pettis. Pettis. He just fought oh, yeah. Pettis in that same cut. It was the exact same cut that had happened. You know, so it sucks. And then was well, sad to see uh, Jorge go and fucking lose against uh, Usman, which he's fighting tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a big Usman fan. He's fucking wrestle fuck. Yeah, you know, on the fence. Yeah, <laughs> kind of boring. But yeah. I mean, I'd like to see him get dropped. I'd like to see him get dropped too. I, yeah. I really, and I don't like Colby either. But I would have liked to seen. I would have liked to seen Masvidal drop him. Uh, Masvidal would be a good champ. You know. To yeah, see. that's what I thought too. Um, but and, and put it this way, from what I see, from what I seen in that fight from Masvidal, uh, I feel like his his um. The reasoning behind why he lost was correct. He's like, you know, because he took it on, what, 11 days? Yeah. Masvidal is that very explosive fighter. 
You know, he'll do that Ben Askren thing, hands behind the back, and then boom, flying knee. And his movements in general, he can go from like here to to jet fuel in like a drop of a dime. And he said he was like, if I would have had a bigger gas tank, I would have been able to push those flurries more. And those were, and that's where I end up catching people. You know, he's like, I could only go for like. 10 seconds at a time to where normally I would go for 20 seconds and then I would back off and then I would go again and then I would go again. He's like, I couldn't do that with Usman because I didn't have the, that training, you know, yeah. but well, we'll see. Yeah, man. It's so saturated now too. the UFC. It's, it is very, it's like, yeah. it's hard to watch it every week. I was You're like, who say, the fuck are these people? There's constantly? fights every week, man. I can't keep up, you no. know? And then the, it's even harder to get because you have to have the fucking ESPN Plus or I know or whatever. It's like this is fucking bullshit. Yeah, pay it's for a, it's it. A and you fucking, pay for uh, fucking pay per view. Oh, they want to get you to buy into everything. Yeah, it's like it's like paying for eighty dollars now for some fucking dog shit I know. fights. I know. I mean, some of them are dog shit. Yeah. I will say that. You know, I mean, they're all great fighters. They all deserve to be there, but it's like ugh, it's a yeah. lot. I mean, it's just boring now. I've been watching like the past like like three four years like pretty. A heavy, but the whole like, COVID thing, like that was going on, and Dana just went all in. So we're doing fights every fucking yeah, week. yeah, yeah. Well, that like Fight Island was pretty sweet though. Take a piss really quick. Yeah, you guys can like just edit right. right sure. No, no, yeah, yeah. We can stop whatever. Um, how much more? What time is it? We got two hours in. Yeah, about two hours. Okay, what shit, man. We can. Come? Uh, not really much. I'm just trying yeah, to bullshit. Have else? Then all that shit. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, that's what it was. I don't talk about suicide machines. I love them. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I not, I'm still to this day, kind of baffled why sui- why these guys never did this full time, suicide machines, because they were so big at a point. I mean, you were on Warner Brothers Records or whatever. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you were, yeah, you were huge. And then how how did it fall apart? You on know, the Tony Hawk game and shit. I mean, did he? Did you guys talk about that? Uh, uh, not really. Like he just said, like he said, like, he didn't want to like like sell out. I guess he wanted to keep it like punk as fuck. Jay, Jay was, you can really see so I don't know him like that. Like I'm sure you know yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah I know. I put it this way: I in the twenty some years I've been around. And just doing music and as a music part of this, I've came across Jay in so many different times and ways in bands. Mm-hmm. I remember Jay, oh, I remember yeah. Suicide Machines Jay. I remember Hellmouth Jay. Oh, Hellmouth. I remember fucking uh, when he was not doing anything and he was just skateboarding again. Um, He's a good skateboarder too. He is a good skateboarder. Yeah. I'm never. I never really got close with Jay. Okay. You know, I've just um, always seen him around. Always seen him around. Always friends of friends of friends. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, I've talked to him. Fucking, I don't know how many times. But if if you came, if you said who is he, he might, he probably wouldn't know who I am. Now, yeah. if you said, oh, he sang in the Alliance and Hyde, and he'd be like, oh, I remember. Yeah, okay, I remember. I know I've talked to him before. You know that band, but yeah. yeah, but that's a good one to have. Um, so yeah, cool. We can finish up. Yeah. Yeah. Ramp it up. Let's we'll see what's Kings. Yeah, and you just we'll edit, edit out whatever, cool. Yeah. Just, so you go ahead and ask a question, and we'll just, he can edit it from there or whatever. Yeah. So is there anything is coming up else with the Suicide uh, suicide Kings besides your new album you just put out? And now, it's with your boy. He doesn't live here, right? Or no, does Cole he? Lives, yeah. still lives in Canada. Okay, yep. so yep. he just like, sends you shit, and you just record over it? Yeah. Well, this last record is it was obviously the first record that we did, uh being away from each other you know oh yeah because you're always out there yeah so the last time i mean like i said i left i left canada to come back to michigan 
in 2016 when me and my ex-wife got divorced and we did a European tour in yeah, 2000, the summer of 2018 or whatever it was, maybe it was 19, I don't remember. And then COVID and we were sitting on some material from some of it was from when I was still living in Canada that were just like B side tracks or stuff that didn't get released. And then, um, uh, Cole's actually in a, in a really cool metal type of band called trench there in Canada. Okay. Um, I believe they just got signed to a really decent label. I want to say Metal Blade. I'm not sure. Shit. I want to say it was something good. It was like right around, right before COVID and shit. Yeah. I remember him telling me that they I got seen signed pictures to of a him with this band. really good label. It. And I think it was that. I'm, I'm not sure. But um, anyway, check him out. They're called Trench. He plays guitar in that band. Like I said, he used to play in Gravemaker where he, from what it sounded like, wrote, I think, the whole last record. The really good victory record that they that they did. Uh He's a really good musician. So we, we, we were sitting on some stuff and then, um, you know, during COVID, you, you know, we, we still, and I don't pay attention to a lot of this stuff. I don't pay attention to a lot of social media shit, Spotify numbers. I'm like, what? Is that good? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know, and he compared it to some other artists and he's like, you know, we're still fairly relevant. You know, people still download our shit. People still listen to our stuff. He's like, we got material. He's like, you want, he's like, we should, we should put out another record, you know? And it was never like a um, a thing that we said we weren't going to put out another record. It was just, you know, we moved. He started doing his thing. Um, you know, there was the Bully Camp Project, too. Where oh, yeah. We're talking about Suicide Kings. We might as well touch on that. When I first came back in 2006, I mean, what I did for a year and a half was the Bully. Finished up the Bully Camp record. And if, um, that that's, a, that's like a collection of Detroit MCs. It's almost like a little Detroit Wu-Tang. You know, that's me. That's Aztec. Yep. Um, that's uh, Shane. Goes by Foulmouth, who's a really dope producer. I mean, he's everybody. I mean, he's worked with Royce to Five Nine, Kid Vicious. I mean, he's he's done a bunch of stuff. He's really good. Um, Jake New was another MC in that group, uh, who now lives in New Mexico. Younger kid. He was in his early twenties at that time. Kills it. Uh, and then Metascience. Um, who's who's uh having some health problems right now? So I wish him all the best of luck. But um, I hope everything's good. Uh, but yeah, it was like us five, you know. I remember that. Shit. And it was uh, it was really cool. It was a really fun project to do. Kind of something I started out in Canada. Just I think it was like me and Rick, really, you know. And I was like, yo, I just I would just like to do something on the side and get as many like good. Detroit MCs that are our friends, you know, and just kind of make like a little group. You yeah, know? man. People can rotate in and out, whatever. Maybe one dude's on like three tracks, the other dude's on six tracks. Right. Yeah. It's just yeah, whatever. Like a routine, like you a know? Mixed yeah, type yeah. Thing, yeah. So I did that. Um, we played a bunch. You know, we played a handful of shows in Detroit. We played Cole's Life. I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Me and Rick. It, I think it was just me and Rick because again, live performances to try and get everybody together was. Was hard. There's a lot of people. A lot to of time. Yeah, it was me. It was me, Rick, and Shane. Mm-hmm. You know, and I yeah. think that that show was just me and Rick. We did a Coldest Life show um, with Freedom, and you know, there you go. What what other hip hop cats in the scene besides me and Rick? 
can do a hip hop show at a cold as life freedom <laughs> Detroit hardcore show, motherfuckers. I don't think recognize. No, man. Yeah, yeah, no, man. It's, <laughs> it's like you and Rick though, like together. It's it's just magic, I think. And like on any recording or any video or you, you know, know, it's weird. I, now thinking about it, I mean, me and Rick has probably been doing tracks together for the last twenty years. I mean, I remember I did a. I think I did two BKC tracks or one or two. Yeah. I remember I did one. and then Raised we, by Wolves. Yeah. And one. then we used to do a, I think it was an Ice Cube cover or something. Wasn't it? And then a BKC. Uh, it was only live or was it recorded? No, it was live. It was a live thing I used to always come up and do with them. I think it was a, oh. Rat -tat 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 -tat. Yeah, yeah, it was that. Never hesitate. Yeah. To put somebody on their yeah, back. it was that track. So we used to do that live. And, and um, so since we're on me and Rick, fuck you, Rick. <laughs> um rick is probably the dude that got me into rapping no you, shit yeah if you yeah. didn't know that like i said i've always been a fan I knew and, had and i might have always fucked around right but it was it was probably rick that was like you should do this um or like we would f maybe fuck around live and he'd be like dude you, you you should do this you know and it was when i left he gave me like a uh I remember because I was like, dude, I'm going to be alone. I ain't got shit to do. Maybe I'll work on, you know, some hip hop stuff. And he sent me with like, uh, like 30, 40 tracks, you know, just to write to and shit. Nice. So yeah, Rick is, uh, Rick is probably like my little mentor into getting me into rapping for sure. You know, outside of just fucking around with it, you know? Yeah. Well, I remember seeing or whatever, like, uh, the BKC, but then on, this is way back in the MySpace days, and then somehow I bumped into, uh, remember the Rising Suns, like that, that shit he did, the Rising Suns group. Yeah, him and Joey. Yep. Yeah. I remember that. And I didn't know, like, I knew he, like, rapped on a couple of the BKC songs, but I didn't know that it was, like, a, it was, like, a side project. And I didn't know you did that shit until the end of the, uh, uh, if I hit him up album, you had that little hip hop track on the very end of it. Fuck, I forgot about that. <laughs> I haven't listened to that record in a long time. So, well, somebody just put that shit on YouTube like a year ago. Like, well, like it was on there, but then some some reason it got taken down, and then somebody put it up again. And this guy, I was like, I was like, you got to send me the MP3 file, hmm. and he did. Some guy in fucking Grand Rapids, I don't know who he was. Wow. But he put it back up there, and I still have it, but it's all scratched and fucked up. Yeah um shit man yeah suicide yeah. king stuff the new record just came out um it's doing good we got vinyl coming along with it this this deep purple black swirl vinyl to go with the the um the artwork of the cd oh, if you've seen the artwork of the cd mm -hmm. um it's going to be that same like color scheme so uh it's like a, it's going to be like a european release thing okay they're going to do it's going to be a limited press i think it's a hundred vinyl 50 tapes and 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 shirts and there's going to be like a bundle, bundle, 50, 50 bundle deals. And then there'll be 50, I think, just plain vinyl afterwards that you could just buy the vinyl. But Nice. Is it coming out of Europe? Well, you got to order. Uh, it'll, it'll be coming out of Europe. Yeah. Finland. Um, yeah. yeah. What's the deal? Like, it's always like, always Detroit people or even like hardcore people are always fucking with like European labels. It's just, uh, just a relationship. It's, I mean, it's always been there. It's crazy. I mean, for me, ever since back in the nineties, Europe has been the place to be big supporters it's, yeah that's the thing it's big support you know that you don't really get over here you know you, you got struggling acts over here most of them are you know but then you go to europe and it's like wow you get shown this love or you get shown this support that you don't get over here um for whatever reason maybe maybe people think we suck over here maybe it's just so saturated that 
Yeah. You know, there's too many it, people it's doing just too that. much and people don't care as much. But we go to Europe, you know, and it's like a cat, man. You know, if, <laughs> if I'm coming over here and like there's no food, you know, but these people are like, hey, come over. We love to feed you and, and, and hang out with yeah. you and pet you and do this shit. Well, I'm going to go <laughs> kick it with these yeah. guys. You know, maybe they got some weed and shit, too. So, yeah, whether it's just like breaking <laughs> even or just having a good time. Yeah, you I mean, know. no, yeah, it was. I mean, it's not even about money. I no, mean, yeah, I, I mean, of course, I don't think we experience. really came back with any significant kind no. of money anytime, whether hardcore or yeah, hip hop. Good time though, but yeah, I mean, again, you got to think, man, being a downriver Detroit fucking kid, never really supposed to go or do anything, and but people want to hear my music in fucking Finland and in France, and I get to go see jim morrison's grave and smoke a blunt while i'm there like cool you know like i'm saying it's like it's it's an opportunity right fuck yeah music luckily has provided me a lot of opportunities that i don't think i would have had you know yeah it's crazy because like even with my little bit of podcast you know it's not huge a lot of people don't know about it but even because you can see like the analytics like where people are listening to and it's still like in the UK, there's like people in like Singapore, like what the fuck? Yeah, like what the fuck? They're cool. <laughs> yeah, they want to yeah, hear what. Yeah, I'm like, you thank have you, to say thank and, you, and, and, and other people you're talking to. And... Yeah, I mean, it could be like a VPN, like somebody could just be using some like weird ass shit, but it's still like, you see, there's like like a lot of countries, like eight, like twelve like countries. I couldn't even name them, but I was like, what the fuck? A lot yeah, in the UK. Well, and... same thing with like the hip hop when the analytics come in, and it's like, wow, we do so much better overseas and in canada than we do in the u.s so yeah. you know when we go to book shows or look for a tour or promoters you go where people are listening go where people are listening so yeah for sure people always get mad at us and it's like you know we've suicide kings has toured quite a bit we've done two european tours um we've done a bunch of canadian tours with some decent sized artists we did a you know, we did like two or three weeks with apathy and self-titled demigods uh we toured for like two weeks with snack the ripper over there um, and you know, people get mad and it's like, Oh, it's like the third time you guys have toured and you haven't come through here. And it's like, well, man, holler at your promoter and tell them, and tell your friends and tell your friends that yeah. you want to see these artists, mm-hmm. not just us, any, any artist in that matter, you know, that's, that's what you got to do, you know? Yeah. Again, we don't need a lot, but you know, we, we have to be able to pay to get there at least, you know, and if our fan base isn't that big over there well i'm sorry you might have to drive a bit to come see us and trust me i I wish we could play fucking everywhere but yeah you know i love it though you guys always put out real good shit and it's like a different type of hip-hop too it's not it has a flavor whether it's the you know canadian flavor wherever your boy's from you know it's like the west coast but it's almost like old school it's not we definitely uh you know I think we definitely move towards, as, as far as sound goes, towards that boom bap era mm-hmm. of hip hop. I where, like it better personally. Yeah, you know? I mean, I do too. It's what I, it's what I grew up on. It's my bread and butter. I don't have anything against whatever they want to call them nowadays: mumble rapping, trap rapping, whatever it is. It's not, it's, not it's not for me, really. Like I said, I have my guilty guilty pleasures here and there. I might listen to a track, but I mean, it's the same thing with hardcore. You know, I don't really veer too far off of what i like and what i know so for me to try and like keep up with the joneses and make some little peep shit you you probably would tell it doesn't uh, you know it would come off unauthentic you know but i think again even with hip-hop and i just i take the same formula of hardcore you know um i talk about what i know or you know if i do uh 
veer off into like a bit of fiction, it's still not with a grain of my own reality involved in in it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, and the same thing with hardcore. You know, it's not like I'm, I don't really talk about things that I either don't know about or can't relate to one way or the other, you know? Why would you? Yeah, it's, so... It's as real as it gets. And I don't relate with fucking popping zannies and fucking, you know, tattooing dumb shit on my face, yeah. you know? <laughs> I feel you, up. man. Neither do I. Whatever. Fucking scrubs. Anyway, but, uh... So you just put out the the new album. It was like, what, six or seven tracks? Maybe seven eight, tracks, Seven yep. tracks, yeah. Yep. It's on fucking Spotify. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's Spotify, everywhere. iTunes, check it out. wherever, it's yeah. Hardest shit ever. Thank you. And, um... I don't know, hope for more eventually, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me here. I think you're doing a good job. Thank you. Yeah. I'm um, working on it. A lot of people to talk to. Yeah, you'll get there. Everything's good. Sweet. Yeah. End it. <laughs> <laughs>